welcome to the Make Do Suburban Fireman Podcast, where we talk all things suburban fire service with your hosts, Nick Peppert and Sean Duffy. This podcast is sponsored by National Rescue Consultants, Build Your Culture, North Florida Fire and EMS Training, LLC, and the North Florida Fire Expo. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's go. All right, welcome back. Make Do Suburban Fireman Podcast, episode 14. Uh, this is going to be the last episode of 2021. We got our very special guest with us, Chief Rick Glasky. Uh, I guess we can call this the COVID Christmas <laughs> special. Uh, Sean has been fighting COVID. <laughs> He's on the ups, uphill side of that and getting past that. And uh, just following following up after Christmas here, closing the, uh, the, the season out on a positive note so uh but chief rick lasky's with us he's been kind enough to jump on the show with us so uh chief if you would just kind of you know give the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll jump in from there man oh thanks first of all thanks for having me uh you guys do an awesome job and i i love hanging with people i love the job like i do i that, that's when you asked me i'm like oh i'm all about it um uh you know there's too many people out there that just treat this as a job too many volunteers are just in it for the t-shirt. Too many career guys just in it for a paycheck. So um, I'm honored to be here with guys that love the job. But now I've got a, a little over 40 years in the fire service. I followed my father's footsteps. Uh, I was I, I, I cannot ever remember not being in a firehouse. I remember being so little. I was the one that stood inside the rubber tires in the wells, wiping the, the wells out with a towel after they came back from a call. And, and um, watching my old man fight fires. Um, you know, he was a roofer. That's what got me into being a roofer and also a truckie. But um, watching my dad cut a hole in the roof and then patching it for the family. And uh, I, you know, I, I tell this story when it comes to passion. Um, you know, my dad used to take me roofing with him, not because I wanted to roof, but because it was for my own safety. Because he would come down the stairs and my, my mom would go, Rocky, mm-hmm. get this get this boy away from me. I'm going to kill him. I was I know it's hard to imagine, but I was a little bit of a test, a little bit of a challenge for my mom, you know. God bless her. And my dad would go, come on, Ricky, let's go. So we're, I'd run around picking up wrappers, and uh, he comes off the roof. He goes, come on, we got to go. There's a fire at the Colonial Manor Nursing Home over on 9th Avenue, like two blocks away. And this is back when they brought their gear home with them. So we jump in this roofing truck, and we take off two blocks. We pull up. There's fire out the first floor, uh, smoke out the second floor. They're all yelling about some old lady on the second floor. My dad takes this, you know, his leather helmet, his coat, his three-quarters, his truckman's belt, which, you know, is synonymous with the Chicago Fire Department, a truckman's belt. Grabs a roof and ladder. I can hear the sirens. I can hear the, the the guys coming. I mean, they're you know they're at the firehouse on duty. He throws it up there, climbs up, smashes a window while crawls in. I always say this: he crawls in the room with a cigar in his mouth, for which he said used to filter out the smoke. Um, and it seemed like eternity. He came out with this little lady over over his, his shoulders, like she was a bundle of roofing shingles. And everything changed for me. Everything, you know, the fire service is all about red light sirens and bells to me, the excitement, you know, the engine driving on the street. And and when I saw that, I was like, God, man, that, that's my daddy, man. That, that's my, and I want to do that more than anything in the world. So uh, that was, that painted my desire for being a firefighter. I got sidetracked a little bit, um, you know, as a police and fire explorer and cadet all through high school. And I ended up, ended up, ended up being a cop for a while. I love very partial law enforcement. I was a dispatcher before that. I always tell people I, I wasn't very good at being a cop because my first year as a cop, I got shot, stabbed, and burned, and I kind of sucked at being a cop. But, um, uh, you know, went to paramedic school, uh, you know, was part-time firefighter, volunteer firefighter, finally got hired, and uh, that's it, man. Started teaching in the 80s and and have never looked back. And um, 
I, I told a young firefighter the other day, stop looking so far down the road, man, because this is the coolest job in the world. And in a blink of an eye, it's going to be over. You know, everybody wants to rush past it and get to the next level, get to the next promotion. It's just, you know, um, it, 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 it goes by so quick and you're, you know, I, I don't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. I've already made my mind up. I'm, you know, I just, I love it so much. I'm volunteering again and a great, great volunteer fire department here in North Texas, uh, Wichita West volunteer fire department, great leadership under chief Ryan Fetzer and assistant chief Michael Albert and captain Chris Bashford. And we got some, I love it. I love it. And, uh, that's it. Born and raised in the South Side of Chicago. Made it down to Texas after a brief visit with my good friends in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And um, I'm still the square square peg in the round hole down here, guys. I'm not fixing to do nothing. I'm not yelling at nobody. And <laughs> according to them, I still talk funny. So they, they let, I was the last Yankee they let down here. I'm like Florida, the melting pot where all the firefighters <laughs> go, you know. So. Oh, that's that, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah. There's... <laughs> I There's not too Florida. many native Floridians that I know. I mean, most of them are pretty much here from somewhere else. So yeah, but but seriously, you you look at Florida. There's I have my favorite places. I love going to teach. I talk. About, I love go. I love going obviously to Idaho. You know, there's great states all over. I love going to Ohio. Yeah, obviously Illinois, my home, my home state. Florida, I've always because Florida they they get it. I mean, the fire service in Florida. You know, the state chiefs, the the the, the college. You know, the, the I mean, you know. I've got so many great friends down there and I know when you live somewhere, you can kind of, when the, when the edge wears off, cause you're in the same place, you don't realize it, but man, oh man, they got some great things going on there. And, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool, pretty cool place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned, um, when you were kind of introducing yourself a little bit, uh, the pride and ownership thing, right? So, uh, I know Sean, you know, you want to jump in here but uh you know we've kind of talked about this off off the recording uh, sean and i have about the pride and ownership and um i you know i know that there's there's a lot of people that uh are probably know you from that work right that's that's kind of you know you've got the they got the posters made and and the, <laughs> you're on youtube and and that's and, and honestly i mean just being completely transparent that, you know as a, as a young fireman that was my first introduction to you chief was was the pride and ownership and watching the video from fdic um, but, but there's so much more to it than just the, the one speech, right? I mean, you wrote a book about it. So, uh, you know, Sean, what do you, you know, what do you have for chief Lasky as far as that topic? Yeah. Um, well, first I want to say that, uh, much like Nick, I, I grew up on your book, which is, this is awesome. Like you did amazing work with that. And, uh, I was working in a fire department, uh, under a battalion chief at that point where, Everybody on his shift got a copy of your book. That was like a oh, cool. read. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it kind of instilled that drive and motivation for me anyway. Um, you know, and, and moving forward, I kept that with me throughout my career. And, you know, it's now what I do with the build your culture thing is just like a version of that, right? Which just as the back, back step firefighter, right? How, how do we do that? And, you know, and what I've found um, over time is for some reason, those who love the job and they have pride and, and they have that ownership and, and that, that drive to just want to just dive into everything, you know, they can't get enough of it. They kind of get beat down, you know, like almost <laughs> like that's, that, that's a, how dare you think that way? That's, that's not how we behave, you know? And, um, so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that as well as where did it kind of turn for you where you had the, um, 
the drive to want to write this book and, and where did that kind of all come out uh, in, in your realm of things? Well, well, interesting enough, the book, the book I didn't want to do. In fact, I kept saying no. Um, and pride and ownership happened on accident. Um, uh, you, you know, for the February 2001 FDIC, I've been with Fire Engineering Magazine since 95. That's my other family, Fire Engineering, my Fire Engineering family. I love them dearly. Uh, been writing for them since 95, one of the editorial advisors for them, reviewing articles since then. On the FDIC advisory board for the big conference in Indy since they bought it in 96. Um, so for February 2001, Peter Hodge, who was running FDIC at the time, now it's Diane Rothschild. Diane's been doing it for decades. And she's, she, in fact, she's been in the whole time. She's awesome. Um, before Bobby, my brother, Bobby Halton, took over, um, Peter calls me and says, Hey, Ricky, uh, Billy wants to know if you do the opening keynote at Indy. Uh, Bill Manning was our editor at the time. Bill gave me my start. It's been cheap, Bobby Halton. Golly, for, for well over a decade, big time. And Bobby is freaking incredible. That guy is like the Energizer Bunny. I don't know how he gets done, what he does. You talk about a passion for the job. That that's They should just – his name is Bobby Passion Halton. That, that's that's what they should call him. But, um, you know, so Peter says, hey, Billy wants you to do the open keynote at Indy. And I said, well, what's he want me doing on it? I'm a good soldier. I'll do it. He goes, well, he wants you to do it on that thing you do. I said, what ding? Now, Peter's from New Jersey. So you know how they talk from New Jersey. There's no, they, it's ding, that thing. They put an R like I, like Anthony Avillo. If you talk to Anthony, it's use like, guys. I got you use guys. Yeah, use, use, use guys. And it's like, I got an idea. I saw her. It, there's an her. <laughs> so Peter says, Billy Watson, you know, I said, what thing? He goes, you know that thing you do where you get in your soapbox, you bitch about guys that don't care about the job and don't love it, chiefs that don't. Uh, they don't know their guys and company officers are lazy and you know, train their people and firefighters just there for the paycheck or just for the pager. And I went, Pete, they don't want to listen to an Italian Polak from Chicago. I am half, <laughs> I am half Italian, half Polish. It just means I have real bad temper. I forget what I'm mad at. But anyway, that being said, I said, I don't think they want to hear this guy from Chicago, Chicago area. Get up there and, and belly. It. He goes, no, we need it. We lost our toehold on the traditions of the fire service. You know, chiefs are whitewashing and sterilizing the walls of the firehouse. They won't let guys hang stuff up on the walls, and they go, "It doesn't look like a firehouse." Well, no shit. It you, you stopped it from looking like a firehouse. Yeah. If it don't look, taste, or, or 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 smell like one, it ain't one. You know. And he says people don't take pictures next to the rigs anymore. In the old days, you guys have seen. You see the on the walls of the fire. See the black and white photos when they got a new pumper. <clears throat> The guys all sat next to it or stood there. Now they park it next to a tree or a bush or a flag and go, woohoo, there you go. Get excited. He goes, you know, it just, I go, well, all right, I'm, I'm a good soldier. I'll do it. He goes, but here's the catch. He goes, I know all your keynotes are off the cuff from your heart. You never write nothing down. You can't do that. It's FDIC. There's 5,000 people that are opening ceremonies. It's televised. We have the teleprompters. He goes, you got to write it down. He goes, we have Telelinda, the teleprompter lady in the back. You got to give her something. So I said, all right, all right. So I caved. I said, all right, I'm a good soldier. I'll do it. So I rode something on the airplane on the way up to Indy that year. And I that morning, I gave it to – I didn't do a rehearsal. I just gave it to tell Linda. She loaded it in there. And for those that have watched the video, like I said, it's all happened on accident. I walked out after they introduced me, Bill and Ronnie, Ronnie K., Ron Canterman. I walk out, and I read, like, the first three lines off the teleprompters, and I walked away. <laughs> Until this day, I tell people, thank God they filmed it because I had no idea what I, I said by the time I got done. People were yelling and going, that was great. I, go, I know this. I had to write letters of apology to, 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 to Sears. <laughs> I used to write letters to, 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 well, to Kmart and to uh, Subway. 
Because at one point I'm yelling, I'm up there, I'm just, I'm like, if you don't love this job, if you're not willing to take care of your brothers and sisters, then get the hell out. Go work for Kmart where you can stock shelves all day and go home and not give a shit. We need fun. And people stood up and cheered. I got done. Diane standing like this. Now you got to write a letter of apology to the Kmart. So I had to write a letter to Kmart going, <laughs> I'm sorry, we shop there. It's a good store and all that stuff. Anyway, it obviously hit a good chord, a lot of people, because the book's still the bestseller. The The program is my most, out of 360-something programs, still the most requested. But I didn't. I did the article series first. I think they want to write a book. And, and my wife says, you're the worst person at taking credit for things, whether it's the Saving Our Own program. We did that stuff. We created that. You know, writ bags. Nobody, we had the, I did the first writ bag, all that different stuff. I I I, I, I hang my, my hat around the phrase, egos eat brains. And there's a lot of fire chiefs out there that have nine-foot arms, you know, because they're always patting themselves on the back. And me and my best buddy, John Salka, guys, we'll sit there. We'll just go, God, it's like the coolest thing in the world. We get to hang with some of the coolest people. We're just a couple of chooch firefighters, you know, one from New York, just having fun. And that's it. And then I, we, we did a 12-part article series. And then uh, Jerry Nalis. My brother, Jerry Nails, who's a brother, Mason, as well, at the Masonic Lodge, he got in, got Penwell brought him on uh, for uh, the books division, and he called me before it was even announced. He goes, okay. I said, congratulations. He goes, yeah, you know what I want? I want the book, brother. So he threw the brother card at me, and so I just took the articles, enhanced them, and did. I tried to write the book where it's kind of doesn't have a time stamp on it, with the exception that it would say like Chief Alan Brunacini, Phoenix Fire Department, where it should have said retired or, brother, you know, um, for a reason. So you could keep handing them to academies and you could keep, you know, new guys and old guys and gals and, you know, so, you know, so to the men and women that are out there. So that, that was that that's the book that, you know, I never thought it would go like it did. Um, you know, I never thought the saving Rome program when I. We put that together in 1990. I wrote letters to my friends, you know, like John Norman, this back before we had internet stuff going on. And, you know, Ray Hoff, the best man at my wedding, if you know Ray, Ray's one of the two real backtrack brothers. Uh, he and his brother Bobby, Ray's the best man at my wedding. And um, Sal Marchese and Donnie Hayde from New York City. And I wrote him, I said, that, you know, this should be a program that our goal should be to get it taught in every fire academy across the country one day. Eh, we'll see. And, the, we created RIT and we created the whole Mayday concept and, you know, all the different, ta- you know, the, the Denver rescue to the Nance drill, to the floor, to everything. And that's how I met my buddy, John Salka and uh, with his get out live program. And I never thought, I never thought pride and ownership, but I'm honored when people come. I've never signed a book without saying I'm honored. I'm, I always say I'm honored. I'm always say it's an honor to sign them. Um, uh, it's just, and people ask me why I think it's so successful. I go, the only thing I can think of is I get to talk about all the stuff that we love about the fire service and all the stuff that drives us crazy about the fire service. And <laughs> that's it. I mean, there's not, there's no science behind it. It's just, it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, I had people in my career. Good God. The, like you said, the bullies and thugs in the firehouse that, that beat on you. Cause you love, how can you be miserable? I, I'm let me. how can you be miserable being a firefighter career volunteer? I don't get it. Like we talked about the other day, like, Little kids want to be you, and and there's people that are miserable doing. I'm like, golly, man, it's like the coolest thing in the world. If you're not happy, go away. You, don't tell me you're locked into your pension if you're a career guy, because that's all bull anyway. Because you're the one sitting around your the kitchen table boring us to tears with your like real estate and your investments and crap and everything. So just get out of here. 
this is like the coolest thing in the world. And I have very little patience with people that don't love this, the, yeah. the fire service. I don't care what else you do in life. That's There's a lot of great people out there doing different things. But for firefighters, I, I just I, I just can't get over that. And I've had people in my career. I've had people who just, don't you have a life, man? Because when I wasn't working at my career place, I was working at my volunteer place. Well, my volunteer place, we're at my part-time place. If I wasn't doing that, I was teaching paramedic school at Christ Hospital in the south side of Chicago. If I wasn't doing that, I was teaching for the Illinois Fire Service Institute, the State Academy, or for the National Fire Academy, or for the Illinois Fire Chief Association, or I was riding with Ray on Truck 10 on West Side of Chicago, or Eddie Enright in the 3rd Battalion. I'm just, you know, I just, what's wrong with, yeah, that is my life. I am, you know, I mean, what's wrong with being in love? It's like people are jealous of the fact that you could be as passionate about something that they're not. And I guess that that's, that's the stringer right there. So maybe pride and ownership, but they, you know, when they wrote the the back mirror, they said it's a upfront in your face. Kind of, well, it is. I don't care. You don't love the people who lack passion suck. <laughs> I love <laughs> Seriously, nobody yeah. People who lack yeah. passion suck. Pat, yeah. I have an article called Passion Drives Success. People who lack passion suck. You cannot be great at anything you don't love to do. I won't even right. give you very good. You can be okay. There's a lot of people that are okay, right? They're yeah, he's okay. She's okay. Like that um what is that? Uh, I think it's a, not the we're not supposed to well, what's your show? We can mention ATT, they have that commercial. Um, where the guy's in his hospital bed, right? And his wife and two kids are standing, and the nurse is taking his blood pressure. The nurse says, So, how's Dr. Johnson? And she goes, eh, He's okay. And the guy goes, Just okay. And you what, remember the commercial? You hear the guy in the hallway, Guess who just got reinstated? <laughs> he walks along, sort of. How you doing? You okay? Like, yeah, me too. Uh, don't worry about it. We'll figure out when we get in there. That's who you want operating on you? That's who you. That's a firefighter you want showing up to take care of your mom or your grandma or your kids or your. House. I don't. I don't want to stay out of my house. I don't want yeah. some. I don't want some. I don't want to cuss anyway. I'm oh, just, you're good. <laughs> I don't want some ass wipe that doesn't care about the fire service coming to my. Really, that's who you want. I have the guys. I have everybody in the class when I say so. Let me raise your hand if you're okay. If you would be okay with some firefighter thinks that. Your mom or your grandma that's got cancer or has a problem that fell for the third time this week, and, and you're there for the lift assist. Tell me if you you'd be okay with them treating 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 them like they were a nuisance. The Grand Grand Chute, Wisconsin, great fire department, great leadership. My dad passed away a year ago last Father's Day on Father's Day. Hard ass firefighter, Marine from Korea, a sergeant. I love my dad. Fought cancer, you know. As tough and stubborn as it is, he would try to get out of bed to get the bathroom, and he'd fall. Probably three or four times they were there at three thirty in the morning just to put him back in bed. The whole time he's going, "Ow, oh, you know, you've all been on those calls." And and I I went just to thank him. My my cousin, she baked all this homemade stuff for him because bakery and treats never go over well in the firehouse. Anyway, that being said, you know, she we brought. And I was just like, you know what? I couldn't thank him enough because that's, I mean, they treated my dad. And they had no, they didn't know he was my dad. In fact, it was like the last call they were there, someone saw, like, I think it was Five Alarm Leash or Pride and Ownership, like on a table. And they go, oh, do you have some of your family that's a firefighter? And my cousin says, yeah, my cousin, his his son is a firefighter named Rick Lassie. He goes, oh, what did you They had no idea. So what I'm saying is, look, I'm nobody special. I said, I'm just, I'm just some firefighter you know what i'm saying it loves what i do they treated my dad like that was their dad and those are people that are in the job those are people that have passion and those are people i want around my family the rest of them pack your shit and get out 
if you're yeah. not, if you if you didn't if you didn't realize that you screwed the helmet to your head, you became a public servant, and that you know it's not all about. I look, I love going to a job, a good fire like the next person, but but if you're into this just for fighting fires, you'd be bored out of your gourd. You know, the Bronx ain't burning like it used to. The West Side Chicago, great fire departments. Don't get me wrong, but there's so much more. You know, seriously, what firefighter really doesn't want to take care of people? You know. I mean, it's just so there are there. There's a few of the bullies and 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 you know, just the thugs out there that beat the rest of us down. And that's where like your show, you know, talking about what we're talking about, what you guys always talk about about loving the job and getting into stuff and tactics and strategy and you know, just it keeps other guys. You know what it sends a message to guys? It sends a message to a young firefighter that says, you know what, it's okay to love being a firefighter. Yeah. No, I don't care what they say. Don't, don't you know what? I I had a guy tell me that. I had a lieutenant come up to me in the firehouse. Oh, the firehouse was a great guy. In the firehouse was a. I mean, he was. He came up. I'm studying. I got the Ifsta book. I'm a young firefighter paramedic. He comes up. There's ten to fifteen of us in that firehouse on duty. He comes up with it. He comes up with his checkbook. He goes, "This I'm, I'm I have the Ifsta book in front of me. He goes, this is the only book that's important to me, Lasky. The checkbook. He goes, I'm here for finance, not romance, brother." And I'm like, this is my lieutenant that, you know, mm-hmm. thanks for the rah-rah speech, you know. And and I had another guy say, you know what, let them go sit down there and be miserable. Let's sit down here and talk shop, you know. And, and so that's what, I mean, golly, you know, so that that that's where Pride and Ownership, the book kind of went and, and still hopefully, you know, has an impact. Um, you know, I've got other stuff I'm working on. I'm so far behind. My buddy Paul Combs. Oh my God, I feel so bad. We're doing a book together. I'm behind on that. I have another book, kind of another version of Pride North. All the stuff I talk about now. That's and I have another. Anyway, it's it, it to to your listeners, your viewers. It's coming. I promise they're coming. But uh, yeah, that's Pride Ownership. That's it, man. It's about love. It's simple. Love the job. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that, Chief. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'll let Nick jump in here in a minute, but uh, listen to everything that you just said. Like one thing that's always amazed me is watch how productive people become when there's a promotion, right? Like it just, oh. <laughs> it, it drives me insane. Like, you know, you come into work day in and day out and, and you're unapologetically like just who you are, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 I had a guy, wait, I had a guy, that did nothing. And he'd see me walking out and the guys that all be standing around just getting done washing like a car. He just stood there the whole time talking. He'd see, he'd get a towel. So I started walking around the other way and I would watch him and he's doing nothing till you walk up there. And then he's like, I'm like, I see what you're, yeah, it's promotion time. That That's his promotion time. And it's so funny because, you know, you quickly labeled, um, cocky or arrogant because of the knowledge that you possess and your love for the job and, and things like that. But it, it always was funny to me how all of a sudden when they need that knowledge or they, they want that passion, you're the go-to guy. Right. And, and I, I never turned anyone away, whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm more than happy to help you, but it's just funny watching the mind shift like, Oh, okay. So this is who we are. You know, this is who we are every day. We come into work We're you know, we're, we're not trying to fake it. But you, you guys, all of a sudden, you want that extra pay raise or, or whatever reason. And now there's some value in what you've been knocking oh. me for this whole time. You know what I mean? And it's just, it, it's crazy because like you said, like you got into this job, you knew what you were getting into, right? And you don't mind asking for a pay raise or saying, hey, we need new gear or new equipment or whatever. 
But, you know, you put that on the citizens. Well, the citizens expect you to be a certain way too, right? They expect you to show up and deliver a certain service, um, you know, and, and time and time again, what do you see? You see pictures or video on YouTube or Facebook or something like that. And you're just, you're pulling your hair out going, oh my gosh, in what world is this acceptable? And they, they don't see anything wrong with that because they'll just do that like ceremonial high five. Hey, good job, guys. You know, whatever, we'll go back and get ready for the next one. And I don't understand how that mindset has crept into the fire service and been accepted, right? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, so, And what's sad is, it, and I know what you mean by it, because when we see it, you know, I have a crystal ball over here I've had forever. All right. It sits on three eagles' heads, which for me is pride, honor, integrity. It sits on, it's, it sat on my desk as a chief. It'll sit on my desk again one day. Um, and I tell people, I wish you could see in the crystal ball, see the future of the past. Because if you went back in the past, you'd see people with the same attitudes forever. You know what I'm saying? We just tend, due to social media, we see it more. That's that's as great as social media is. I love it. I, I use it for the right reasons. I never post anything political, that kind of stuff. It all, it, but also you get to see a lot of the that kind of stuff, and and it it it, it, it it's like shooting arrows in the hearts of people that love the job like you do. There's always been the the distractors out there. There's always been the mediocre people out there. There's always been them that have just squeaked by. Those that just come in, you know, they're miserable. And they come in and they try to make you miserable, you know. Um, and you're you're right. It's like, and, and so you 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 would think it crept in, but you know what? They've been there the whole time, man. They've been there. It's just you know, they whole same circus, different clowns. They've been there. We just don't know it because if I could go back in my dad's day before I was born, I'd probably see people that drove him batty too, you know. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, but right. now we see it more because you're right. I, there's times I watch, I go, you, have you have you ever found yourself yelling at your iPhone or your computer watching a YouTube <laughs> video going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If you could, my wife who's sleeping right now, she works nights for the sheriff's office here, 11 to 7. She, my, she's the minister's daughter. She's always referred to heaven every now and then to give somebody a bitch slap. That's what you say. <laughs> she goes, do you not want to reach to the computer and bitch slap that person? I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You know, and and and, I'm, and and first of all, it doesn't matter if they're in Florida, they're in Washington State, they're in New York, Texas, Illinois. <clears throat> Firefighter's a firefighter. And people that see that stuff, they go, huh, is that what you do in Florida? Well, is that what they do in Texas? That, no, 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 we don't do that. That's what they did in uh, whatever. You know, and they, because we're all the same, right? You know, they see Chicago Fire and they think everybody's like Chicago Fire or whatever. They think, you know, and, and so you're right. Yeah, you know, God drives me crazy when I see that stuff. I'm like, really? And all, all of us have worked so hard to paint the positive professional image of the fire service. It's like they just keep knocking us. It's just like they, someone keeps giving give us Charlie horses coming up behind us and kneeing us in our, you know, and you know what I'm saying? Just collapsing your leg every time. I, I told people it's like running up a down escalator. You know, remember when you're a kid, you see the escalator and you and the, oh, yeah. the down one, and you run up and you run and you run and you get almost to the top. You stop to take a breath, you go back down. Then you run back up and you and it's like every time you gain three or four or nine steps, you lose eight or nine steps, and that's what those people do to us. But you know what the answer to that is? What you guys do with the people we hang with, the circle of friends that the three of us hang with, that's what you do. Hang with the people that love the job like you do. You know, if I, if I could share something with you real quick. Absolutely. Um, I, I get about 300 or so emails, messages, Twitters, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram stuff a day. 
you know, and I do my best to answer stuff. You know, some of them I just go, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Be safe. Some of them like, like when I get done here, I got stuff. I got to send people already. Um, but I, I, every couple of days and I always tell them, please don't send them, but that's someone will send like a 10 to 15 page email or message. And they always start off with, and this is my whiny voice. It's always like chief Lansky, my chief sucks. And my chief did this, my chief did that, my chief. We didn't get, I didn't get a go-gurt at, at break time today. <laughs> and we didn't get our nap. And 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 I, I just, you know, and I got woke up in the middle of the night. Well, I got to go to my side job. And I got stuff. And they just go on and on and on and on. Sometimes I would just highlight stuff and send it back to them. And, 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 at, and so at the end of this 10 to 15 page email, <clears throat> the last thing they put in there is any advice would be great. I'm like, really, really? You want me to answer you in an email? So what I ended up doing is, I was, I, I'd send out this response. And the more I looked at it, the more I started going, well, I'm just going to copy and paste the same response I sent to Nick, you know, or Sean, you know what I'm saying? Just, I, and, and after a while I started noticing that there was three big sections in this response. It's just freaky how this happened, how things happen. So each, when I would respond, there's like a big, long paragraph, big, long paragraph, big, long paragraph, and um, how to deal with it. Cause I've been there myself. I've worked with mutts, right? That being said, and each each big paragraph centered around one word, and each one of those words and those three words started with the letter P. So, I I you know I, Bobby you know Bobby my brother Bobby House says Ricky just let's do an article because then you can point people to the article, and you know they can say hey read this it worked for me because I actually developed a class from that and the class I developed before even the article is called Firehouse Survival. We do we'll all agree all three of us agree we do a pretty good job training our firefighters on how to survive on the fire ground with RIT and Mayday, right? We do, we do, we, 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 I think we need to get back into it. Um, saving our own training, RIT training has become like salvage covers now. You know, it's just become part of the daily routine and we need to get back and be a little more focused on training firefighters, how to save firefighters. But that being said, you know, <clears throat> that being said, it was like, okay, we've done good training firefighters how to survive on the fire ground where we suck is that training firefighters how to survive in the fires? How do you deal with the guy? How do you deal with the guy that comes up, you know, and blows stuff in your face? Because you, you know, the, you know, just like we're talking about, how do you deal with them? How do you deal with the guy that thinks the little old lady is a nuisance instead of a blessing that fell on the floor? How do you deal with the guy that's just there for the paycheck or just there for the T-shirt? How do you, you know? So those, th- I wrote the article, but when I send that response, I came up with the three P's to surviving in the firehouse. P is in Paul. The first P is passion. You never give up. We just talk. You never give up your love for the job. You don't ever, <clears throat> as a young firefighter, a younger officer, I should say, I was a battalion chief. Um, I got to, I was working for a god awful, horrible fire chief. I was working for a fire chief. Everything you never want to be as a fire chief. This is the, the, that, that was this guy. If you want to describe despicable, nasty, just treated people like crap egotistical maniac off that this guy. All right. And I got to a point where I didn't want to go to work. I got to a point where I told my wife, I said, I don't want, I don't want to get my fire car, go to work. And my mentor, one of my mentors, chief Tom Freeman said, Rick, you're kind of a big guy. I never took you for a weakling. And I go, that's because I'm not a weakling. He goes, yeah, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He said, I said, you better explain. And he said, I've never met a firefighter who would let somebody break into their Ford F1000 pickup truck, park behind the firehouse, break in their house where their husband or wife is at home. Husband, you know, wife is home. Husband, wife is at uh, uh, at home. 
their kids where you wouldn't want that bad guy arrested, prosecuted, and thrown in jail. But you let some mutt reach into your heart and steal your passion, your love for the job. He goes, that's being weak. And he's right. You don't ever let anybody reach into your heart and steal your passion for what you love to do. You are being weak. When you let someone, the only one thing, your attitude is the only one thing in life you have absolute control over. Excuse me. Anger, happiness, and sadness are all emotions that come and go out of your day, sometimes minutes. I can make you happy, make you sad, make you laugh, whatever. But I cannot control you. So if you got someone who's a shitty attitude in your department, they have worked their asses off off worked their asses off to have a, a shitty attitude. Don't blame their husband, their wife, the mayor, you know, their ship. That's their choice. Your attitude's your choice. And and I let someone reach into my think about how many of us have let someone do that. The coolest job in the world, and you let someone reach into your heart and steal your passion for this this incredible thing. That's the first P. Passion is the foundation. Passion drives success. Second P is perseverance. You never give up the fight. You don't you don't become insubordinate, but you don't compromise. You don't throw in the towel. You don't compromise your principles, your, your, your values. You know, you fight the fight and you stand up for what you believe in. And the third P, the last P, is probably the most difficult. It's patience. Sometimes you got to wait like 10 years for them to win the lottery, die, retire, resign, or whatever. And, and, and then people say, but how do I keep my sanity, <clears throat> chief? You know, how, how do I, it's easy for you to say, how do I keep my, my wits about it? I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you this. You want to hang with misery. Misery loves what? Loves company. Misery loves company. That's yep. it. Loves company. So go ahead. You, you know, try this. Try hanging with people that love the job like you, you do. That's what I like about like this show, what you guys do, not just on a show, what you guys do in a fire service, period. I love hanging with people that love the job, man. I do. I love, I, I just, I love just talking shop and what's going on and show me your rig and let's see your firehouse and all stuff. Guys that take care of their tools, guys that, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're you know what I'm saying? I just, you could just feel it when you're around them. That's it, man. It's passion drives success. It truly does. Oh yeah. Yeah. Passion, passion's contagious, man. And I, I believe, I truly believe that it's the one thing experience can't teach. Like you either have it or you don't, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's believable. You know, when, when you see someone that has passion, you're like that person right there, they get it. And, uh, my, my good buddy, Pablo Jenner, he, he says it beautifully. He says, uh, you could fake a lot of shit, but you can't fake passion. Oh no, you, you, you're yeah. right. You can't. And I, and I've got, it's, I believe in it so much. It's actually on my bookmark. So saying that we use a prior notion, so the prior notion bookmark, that a, a leader with great passion and few skills, a leader with great great passion and few skills, always outperforms a, a leader with 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 you know no passion. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying it, it always happens that way. You can have all the skills in the world and still suck if yeah. you have passion, right? I mean, you know, there are people that love what they do but don't understand why. You know, and there's people that love what they do and they understand why. And those who get it in the fire service, you know, we're going to be talking about it at at, at, at the show in, in March, you know, about those who get it, man. Those who get it. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's, uh, man, I, I've got so many, like, thoughts uh, just going through my head as you're talking, Chief. You know, it's, uh, you're, you're right. You know, you got to have heart. And people with heart, we see this all the time, not just in the fire service. We see this on on you know, football fields and baseball fields and stuff all the time where guys that nobody gave a chance coming out of college, all of a sudden they're a star in the NFL or a star in Major League Baseball. Why? Because they got heart. 
and then you talk about perseverance, right? They, they endured hardship. They endured, you know, being told they weren't good enough, and, you know, and they use that as fuel to fire, you know, their, their passion even more. And, and so you see these success stories all the time in professional sports where got the guy that has the heart that maybe doesn't have the, the physical makeup that, you know, all the, the scouts were saying that they needed to have ends up being the star player. I mean, look at Tom Brady. I don't know if you're, you know, if you have followed Tom Brady's career at all, but the guy is, you know, seventh round draft pick. No one gave him a chance at, you know, being a starter, let alone winning seven Super Bowls. And, uh, you know, I've been watching that uh, that show on ESPN Plus, The Man in the Arena. And it's kind of cool to see a guy who literally just, he used all the the naysayers, uh, uh, you know, that the hate and the, and the, and the, you know, people kind of dismissing him saying he wasn't going to be good enough and all that stuff. He used that as, as fuel. That was the fuel. His passion yeah. and, and, and the heart that he plays with and the preparation that he, and he puts into the game is what's made him successful. And, and that just goes to show right there. I mean, coming out of college, nobody was looking at Tom Brady. Nobody, they gave him a, a, you know, a chance, like I said, seventh round. I mean, this guy's down and out. Most guys that get drafted in the seventh round at the quarterback position don't start, you know, in the NFL. And here he is <laughs> 15 years later winning all these, you know, championships and always in oh. contention. And it's, and it's, it comes down to one thing. It comes down to his passion for the game, his heart. And all that has driven the perseverance, it's the preparation and everything else. And I think that that transcends into the fire service, right? So the guys, like you said, that maybe, you know, uh, uh, aren't God's gift, you know, physically, they don't look like they're God's gift to the fire service. They outwork some of these guys that have all the physical abilities and skills. Why? Because they have heart. And that's, I, I used to like, when I first came on the job, I never understood, you know, you'd see these guys that I look at some of these, these guys that, you know, didn't look at like anything special. You know, you look at them like, oh, but but they were always the guys that were up early, you know, staying up late, you know, going over stuff and always, you know, and I see these guys work circles around these dudes that are in the gym four or five hours a day. And, and you know, they had all the physical and, and you know, the looks and all the the kind of outward stuff that, you know, you look at, oh, this guy's going to be a good firefighter. But if they didn't have the heart, these guys that, that were, you know, looking like a little rough around the edges sometimes would, would just, just blow them out of the water on the fire ground. Why? Because they gave a shit because they cared deep down inside. And like, you know, Sean, you, you were saying a minute ago, you can't, you can't fake passion. And when you have the passion, you're going to, you're going to continue to work. Even when you're uncomfortable, you're going to continue to do the right thing. Even when it's not popular, even when it's not, you know, and, and guys that get in that situation, you know, we're talking about the mutts kind of beating them down and trying to tear them down. And, and that's, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, and I, and I kind of brought this up uh, a couple episodes ago, how that there's this tug of war in the fire service between, you know, you got your mutts at the bottom and your go-getters at the top. And in between you have this, this 80% group that is kind of, influence one way or the other based on who they're hearing and being around and seeing the most and you know the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing and and a lot of times the go-getters are, are they work in silence right they're, they're not the guys out there beating their chest they're not the guys out there you know uh, uh whining and complaining to the chief all the time right so what happens is these guys in the middle that are that are good firemen that that you know can go either way, end up getting influenced by the squeaky wheel, the, the the naysayers, the guys at the bottom that are constantly bitching about stuff and constantly tearing guys down. And in a way, we're, we're our own worst enemies because we suffer in silence. We, we don't say anything. We go back and we just do our thing. And and really what they need to see is they need to see the go-getters, like, you know, not, not being 
vocal per se from the standpoint of you know raising hell all the time but but not being afraid to stand up and say hey you know what i believe in this i'm going to do this i'm going to continue to do right and persevere and, and you know stand up tall with your with, with your head up high and and walk now you know you don't have to say anything your 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 speech is one small part of who you are really what people are looking at is is this guy going to you know when the tough when the going gets tough is this guy going to stand up and just keep doing, you know, standing for what he believes and keep doing what's right. And that's, I think that's what it comes down to is like, you know, these guys in the firehouse that want to throw rocks, most of the time it's because they're not doing shit. That's Most right. of the time it's because your light shines on their darkness and they, and they feel insecure. And so, you know, if you keep that in mind, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and keep persevering and keep doing what's right and, and understand that there, there are some people that, you're never going to win over. There's some people that are always going to, you know, for whatever reason, hate your guts. But by and large, if you do the right thing over time, people will see that. And the right people will see that. You know, you mentioned being around other like-minded people. There's so much truth in that. You know, iron sharpens iron. And if you hang around mutts that beat you down and and tear you down all the time, eventually you're going to become that. But if you you find people... You ever see those young... I'm sorry, but you ever see those young firefighters that are all full of passion... You hire them. They're like, oh, they're out of their minds, nuts, about crazy about the job. And a year later, you stop in. They're like, and, I, and I'm like, God, what happened to them? And then I go, no, no, no. Who have they been hanging with? Yeah. Somebody sucked it. The, the enthusiasm sucked the passion. It's probably the lazy ass. And, and you said, the bu- you know, if you look at bullies, 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 bully because they lack self-esteem. They lack self-confidence. Yeah. The people that attack people are the ones that are trying to, if, that, if I throw it out, they're going to leave me alone. The, the people I've... I mean, the vast majority of the – I can't think of anybody that wasn't. The bullies and, and the thugs I've known in the fire service all were weak. Every one of them were weak, and that's why they did it. I've never met a strong-minded, strong-willed bully. They're, you know what? The people that beat people down and love the job are weak, and I have no problem. I'll tell them. You know, I, I would, they were standing in front of me. You're a bunch of weaklings. You are weak. When you have to, when you have to, when you have to go out of your way – to find the wrong in people, to pick on people, to bully people, to demean people, harass them, humiliate, whatever, you're the weak link. You're the weakling in this whole thing. The problem is there could be 10 of us standing here and one's that bully. You said it. And it's the one person we we think about. I, 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 submitted, I submitted an article. You, you mentioned the squeaky wheel. You know, I submitted an article called the squeaky hinge slash the wheel. Okay. And, and I, I tell people all the time, if you look around, unless it's a commercial door, most doors have three hinges on them. Let's just say that. Play, you know, easy. There's three hinges, or there could be four. doesn't matter. On that door. If there's a, if there's a hinge that is squeaking, it's, I can guarantee you it's almost the, it's the bottom hinge. The bottom hinge is the first one to squeak. That's where the mo- – anyway, that being said, all day long, right? All day long, squeak, 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 squeak. All week, months, you're like, God, this is driving me out of my – that freaking – right? That one hinge just squeaks and squeaks and squeaks and drives you out of your mind sometimes. You notice it. You hear it. You see it. You begin to not even like the door. (laughs) But you forget there's two other hinges that have done the same amount of work silently. They haven't, you know what I'm saying? It hasn't that yet we focus on the one. Yeah. So what I tell them, there's there's just under 40,000 fire departments in the United States alone. Bunch of can't. We have. I love my Canadian brothers and sisters. I tell people all the time, the only difference between the Canadian fire service and the fire service in the U.S. is a blurry line on a map. That's all. If you could erase that line, we are all one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
But it, it just numbers-wise, there's just under 40,000 fire departments in the United States. That means there's there's like thousands and thousands of great fire chiefs and a couple that make it bad for the rest of us. There's 1.2, a little over 1.2 million firefighters in, in this country. 63% are volunteer, rest their career. Out of all of them together, there's a handful that are mutts. You know, the rest of them are like us. The rest of them, in fact, some of them are just, they're like secretly on their phone. What are you doing there? Nothing. And they're watching your show. Yeah. You know, because they're working with a couple months, right? And they're, and they're, 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 you know, so if it wasn't for the Bobby Haltons, the John Salkas, the Anthony Villas, you guys, you know what I'm saying? Giving someone a chance to stay connected to the job. You know, there's there's more of us than there are them, and I've said that forever. I, I never used to think that when I was a young firefighter. I'm like, oh God, I just hope to, I can't believe I got into the. There are there is a ton of more of us that love the job than them than people, and that's what we have to remember. And you just go, man. My buddy John Salka says all the time, he goes, "Hey Rick, it's a big fire service. It's a big fire service, man. For for every one of those we met, we met thousands of pretty cool dudes. You know, these guys and gals that are the men and women of the fire service are incredible, and there's a ton of them." So find your passion. Hang with people who love the job like you do. You know? Yeah, no, it's uh you know, I think it's it's funny because there's there's been times in my career, you know, I've I've it ebbs and flows. You know, you have those times where, you know, you feel like you got support and then there's times where you feel like you're on an island. Sometimes like you're the the weird, you know, like I said, square square peg in a round hole and you're the guy out there, you know, beating the drum by yourself and and you're getting, you know, beat down. But but if you Get out of your bubble. And that's what I tell people. Get out of your bubble. Go to FDIC. Go to, you know, whatever conference. Go to, you know, get on a podcast. What an awakening. Uh, what an awakening. Oh, my right? God. It is. It, it, it changes the way you look at the fire service because all of a sudden you realize you're not alone. And you may feel like you're on an island sometimes in your own organization. But the reality of it is there's, there's so many people just like you that are passionate, that care, that want to do the right things for the right reasons. And if you get around those kind of people, it just, you know, that's for me, like going to fire conferences, listening to podcasts, you know, reading magazines and stuff like that is what keeps me focused. It's what keeps me kind of grounded. It helps me continue to go on because I realize, like, hey, you know, those days when you're feeling kind of sorry for yourself and you're like, man, is it worth it? You know, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, you've got these people that are just, a thorn in your side, whatever, um, you know, you, and then you talk to other people and you go on and you listen to other people that are passionate and you know, whatever, it may be a podcast. I'm just listening to you going down the road well, and watch a and video, go to stock video, right. in California, the firefighters site and watch some of their helmet. I, I mean, I know you guys watch it. Stockton, California fights fires every day, every day, all day long. They're, they, and they are freaking incredible. they, I challenge you to watch a video unless you're a safety Nazi out there and find something they're not doing right. Watch the video. They are, they are unbelievable. And they didn't get jam up. They train their asses off and yet they still fight fires. If you want to get fired up by the job, just sit down and watch some fire porn in Stockton. You'll be like, Oh my God, look at these guys. They're incredible. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it, it is. I mean, and that's, that's what I encourage, you know, um, young firefighters coming in, you know, is like, look, Get outside your bubble, right? You know, be the best you are where you're at, but also understand that the fire, it is a big fire service. Get out there, get around other people that are motivated, get around other people who challenge you to be better and, you know, let that kind of keep your passion going. Let that continue to keep you because, because what happens is a lot of times guys get so kind of in a rut that like you mentioned the guy with the real estate and this and that and every and everything becomes about how can I get a better pension and a better, you know, more money and you know, hey, I got a this side hustle doing this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because we all gotta make a little extra money. Sometimes, you know, Lord knows we're not getting rich being firemen. But 
the fact is, you know, when we start putting more focus into, you know, the side, the side hustle or the, you know, or whatever, or, or putting more focus into, you know, we just kind of like tune the firehouse out. We're just there to, like you said, to take up space, to get a paycheck or to get a, you know, t-shirt or whatever, just making numbers and stuff. When we get to that point, that's dangerous as a firefighter, because now we're just going through the motions now. And I've been there and I've, I've had, you know, a time in my career where I was just kind of comfortable. I was complacent. I was going through the motions because, you know, Hey, this is just, this is my job. This is what I do. I go do my job. And, and it took, you know, it took a, a, an incident in my career, um, that, you know, we've talked about this in the past, Sean, you know, that kind of woke me up and made me realize that, man, I'm not, I'm not in, you know, as focused on the job as I should be. I'm not into the job like I should be. Uh, I was comfortable and it kind of just knocked me on my ass a little bit, made me realize like, Hey, there's, there's more to the fire service than just my little bubble. And it kind of put me on this, this journey to seek out more knowledge, to seek out more, you know, to like-minded people that can kind of make me better. And along the way I've learned, you know, that that's the, that's what's, that's what happens to so many new firefighters, right? They come in, they're excited, they're passionate and they get in and they get around that guy that, ah, you don't need to worry about that kid. You know, sit down, man. Hey, the next shift will take care of that. Or, Hey man, you know what? You know, you don't have to be so ate up, dude. Just come sit over here on the, in the chair, you know, just take a break, man. You don't need to, you don't need to go throw ladders. You don't need to go, you know, you already know how to throw ladders, man. You, you know how to do that. But over time, if they listen to those voices, they, oh, you know, you're, you're right. I, I threw ladders a few months ago. I'm good. I don't need to do that. You know, I, I don't need to practice pulling hose or searching or any of that stuff because I already know how to do that. But the reality of it is we do need to do it. We need to do it day in and day out because the fact is knowing how to do something and being good at it are two different things. You know, I know how to throw a football, but I'm not good enough to play in the, in the national football league. Why? There's a lot of things that go into it, but I mean, the, the bottom line is I just don't lack, I lack, I know how to, the concept of how to throw it. I can throw a football, but do I have the arm strength, the conditioning, the understanding of, you know, defensive play, you know, plays and stuff and how to, you know, where my, my players are going to be and, and all that kind of stuff that goes into that position, right? There's so much more than, you know, when we talk about skill sets, knowing how to do it and being a, a master, if you will, of that craft are two different things. And that's what I tell guys, you know, it's, it's kind of shifted in my mind where I used to want to like learn all this new stuff and I want to learn all the cool, sexy stuff in the job. But the reality of it is 90% of what we do is, is just repetition. 90% of what we do is fundamentals over and over and over again so that we can master our craft because the, all the advanced stuff is built on foundational like fundamentals. If we, if we can't get those down, then we're not going to do the advanced stuff when we need to. And the reality of it is, I mean, 90% of what we do in this job is not sexy. It's not, it's going to, you know, little miss Smith at three o'clock in the morning to pick her up. It's, it's, you know, running that vehicle accident at seven 30 in the morning, right after shift change, because people don't know how to drive on the highway, <laughs> you know, that the little fender bender it's, it's going and doing those public relations, uh, you know, events and, and the birthday parties. It's, you know, it's not kicking indoors and fighting fire. 90, you know, 90% of what we do is spent in the firehouse is spent with the citizens is spent with our brothers and sisters. And a very small portion of what we do is actually what we would claim to be the, the fun stuff, the cool stuff where, but we have to still prepare and train for those, that small percentage of incidents, because that's where, you know, the truth is that's where we our our Super Bowl, if you will, that's our, our chance to shine. That's our chance to get in there and show that all that 
hard work and perseverance and training and studying and and being into the job pays off. And that's where I feel like guys got to remember is if you're looking for that adrenaline rush every shift, you're not going to get it every single shift. You're just not. You know, you have to go in with the mindset that, like you said, Chief, that you are a public servant, that you are there to serve the public. And whether that's taking a blood pressure from somebody that walks into your station or whether it's picking, you know, little Miss Smith up off the floor or whether it's running that medical call, you know, at two in the morning on that guy that, you know, has been sitting out there drinking since two in the afternoon, you know, um, the fact of the matter is, you know, that's our job. And, and, and part of the job is, is understanding that we, we are not, we're not number one, right? Let me ask you where, where are we failing? I know I, but I'll ask you guys, where are we failing with delivering that message to our new firefighters. Because I'm a big Fire believer. Academy. That's right. I'm a big believer. Yeah. If you want to see it, it's on my YouTube channel. It's very simple. Chief Lasky. Every single firefighter I've ever interviewed as a chief since, been the chief since 1997, every single one gets a talk during the interview process. We don't even know if we're hiring them. They, we don't even have, we have no idea whether we're hiring them or not. And I, I tell them, I said, look, you know, when they get done with the questions, like Daryl would look at me and go, chief, you're up. I go, oh, me? And I'll explain to that to that that candidate what it takes and what it means to be a, for example, Louisville firefighter. You know, I see, see all these toys, see all this, and we have 56 divers, fireboats, all this stuff. Man, this is a cool place. None of that has to do with how good we are fighting fires, cut people out of cars, and stick right. needles in their arm. We're damn good at that stuff. It has to do because of the fact we we're recognized internationally for our customer service programs. We fight. We we have actually sometimes it gets out of hand. The different firehouses compete to see who can figure out a newer, better way to take care of people out there. Do some people abuse the system? Yes, but I have chiefs to take care of that. You know, the, the, so the, the adrenaline rush, the passion, the enthusiasm. Look, I love going to a fire like the next person. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The, the enthusiasm should come with being a firefighter. Why do we have to have... Well, I, I know firefighters, guys that don't run that. I know guys that haven't been on the nozzle first in at a fire in like three years because they work in a newer neighborhood. They're, they're sec- like, now maybe the other ships have had their fires, but they're like second do, second do, second do, whatever. And they're great. They're great firefighters because they're into the job. You know, we, you don't have to work at a busy place to be great at being a firefighter. You have to be into the job. The enthusiasm comes when you're driving. You're going, holy shit, I can't wait to get to the firehouse. I, you know, maybe we'll have a job. Maybe we won't. You know, I'm just saying. I get to, you, you see it. I have the luck. You do the same thing. I have the honor of traveling all over. And I get to meet firefighters and I go, So how many, guys, how many calls do you guys run at this firehouse? And they tell me, like, I'm thinking to myself, well, I ain't a whole lot. And they're like, Yeah, well, but you, you wouldn't know. You, you could walk into the 18th Battalion in the Bronx and you wouldn't be able to tell the attitudes apart. Yeah. Because, it, first of all, it's all about leadership. It's all about, it's all about the company officers. You know, the company officers set the tempo for what goes on in the firehouse. Don't blame the firefighters. Dude, don't ever blame the firefighters. Talk about it in a second. All right. But 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 back back to what I was saying with this whole, you know, I every single one of them gets that talk for me. And I tell them, I said, I said, look, I need to understand this right now. I need a verbal, a verbal, yes, understand, yes, or whatever. I tell everyone in the interview, if you lie or you steal just one time, I'll fire you. Dishonesty is a terminating offense. And people go, well, we're civil service. If you know how the system works, the easiest thing to do is fire someone. People fire suspend themselves. The easiest thing to do. I tell them up front, I need look, if you have a problem, if you have a dependency problem, you smash your you make a mistake, you make a mistake and you own it, I'll fight to the death for your career. Yeah. You lie or you steal, you're out of here. I just want you to know that. And they go, yes. I said, now 
If you can't live and abide by our values, our principles, those three words, pride, honor, and integrity, if you can't live by those, then let's just shake hands and part ways. No hard feelings. Someone else will hire you. That'd be great. But if you can't commit to our way of life, if you commit to our very foundation, what we stand on, what we believe in, I promise you this will be the best career choice you've ever made. That's an interview. Now, what I was saying about the YouTube channel, I wrote uh, the chapter one for Fire Engineering's Firefighter 1 and 2 Handbook, The Mission and Traditions of Fire Service. And they actually came out and filmed their first day. When they get done with HR orientation, they would meet me in my office. Now Mark does it. And I would give the talk, but the talk would go about an hour and a half long. Well, there's 20 of them or two of them, they got to talk. And so Fire Engineering, they edit it, you know, but you can see it. If you want to see, that's a talk every six... From the moment they walk in the firehouse, and it, and, and I have to sign off in their packet, I give the talk. <clears throat> and every single chief officer has to sign off. They give their talk to talk to talk to talk to talk. And I tell people, if you're not telling these guys from the very get-go, just what you said, just what you said, if you're not telling them that, the, then don't expect them to get it. It's not voodoo. It's not magical. And when it comes to leadership, as my godfather, Chief Alan Brunacini, used to say, all right, you can't shit up, man. You can't shit up. You can try. I know some guys that have tried, and you know you can't do it. It all starts with the leadership. <laughs> it starts number one with the fire chief you have leading the show. If your fire chief gets it, if your fire chief has a desire to have the best fire department in the country, to have kick-ass guys and gals, you know what I'm saying. If your fire chief has made it their mind, if his or her mind is made up that you know what, I'm just telling you right now, you know what my desire is to have the best fire department in the country, not the second best, not the third. My desire is to have the best. If you can be part of that, then come on board. If you can't, you're not going to fit in here. And, and, and that's it. And then back to the firehouse. The company officer sets the tempo. The company officer, I'll, I'll say it again, say earlier, don't ever blame firefighters. I put a slide up in one of my classes, and it says, you follow ugly kids home, you'll find ugly parents. <laughs> try it sometime. <laughs> follow, follow, try it. Follow an ugly-ass kid home. All right? And take a look, you go, Bleh. You'll find ugly parents. Now, change that to be politically correct from ugly parents and ugly kids to ugly behavior. Isn't that true? I can walk, I've told you, I've walked into firehouses before and went, I'll, I'll, I'll never blame the firefighter. The firefighters are acting just like their company officers let them act, conduct wise and attitude wise, just like parenting. Leadership is just like parenting. You see kids that are out of control. I guarantee you look at the parents, you go, dee, 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 there it is right there. It's the same thing. And, 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 and now, is there an occasional problem, firefighter, that no matter what you do, they just give a crappy attitude? Yeah. You know what? Yes. But the rest of them are either just going along with it because they're afraid of being labeled that guy or the kid, yeah, whatever. So you know what you do? You stand up and be the boss you're supposed to be. And you walk in and you sit down and go, you know, guys, look, this is no longer about being a buddy. Buddies get guys hurt and killed in the fire service. Leaders keep them alive. I have plenty of buddies to go to football games with and go do stuff with. I need a leader. I need a leader that's willing to grab me by my turnout coat and grab me and give me a what for or yell at me or tell me or coach me loud or whatever and keep me alive. Because, buddy, we have buried buddies at funerals. Leaders keep their guys alive. And that's where you sit down and go, you know what? Look, I know I'm, I'm new to this firehouse as your captain lieutenant, but this is how I work and this is how things are going to fit in here. Because yeah. the lieutenant captain can make everybody miserable the firehouse if they want to. If you really want to. And the guys have to make a decision. Either you're going to jump on board and, and you know what? I don't care what any other firehouses are doing. The, guys, the best advice I got from a mentor four years ago, all right, was worry about the things you can fix, not the things you can't. Yeah. We get we get our underwear all bunged up over shit we have no control over. 
It's a fact. You know? So you know what? As a company officer, you worry about your guys. You worry about your guys. You dial in. You get your firehouse <clears> all tuned up. You get there, and you you know I'm very competitive. All right. You know, I, 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 my first trip to Sarasota, Florida was for my first spring training with the Chicago White Sox. When I was 18 years old. All right. I did my two spring trainings there. I got elected into the softball hall of fame in 2011. I've always been very competitive, not stupid competitive, but I want the chief going, get out, get out Lasky, bring your crew up here. That's what I, I want to be the one that they're looking going, you know, when you pull up, they know things are going to get better. I did it in trophy club where I was interim chief helping them out. And I remember Colonel Neal, one of the captains at Flower Mounds Tower. Flower Mounds got a great fire department right next to Louisville. Great fire department. Eight stations, great leadership, great people. They got a great new boss in there. Anyway, we had four houses going at the lightning strikes. I had one in front of me, fired through the roof, and just we're just trying. And it wasn't going well. One of the engine companies showed up. They weren't even dressed, the neighboring department. They weren't even, they didn't have their shit on. I don't know how you if I could have, if I could have flattened their tires, I would have poked, I would have slashed their tires. So I'm like, you shouldn't be allowed to go to any more fires. How do you show up at a damn fire without your stuff on? Anyway, when Flower Mount's truck got there, because we we're calling for distance because we got all these other fires going, I remember he walked up, I put my arm around him, I said, get inside there and fix this for me. You know, you know what I'm saying? You look and you see him walking up and you go, just, just Curtis Burt used to, Curtis is the ops chief down in Pearland, Texas. Curtis was the chief of Lake City's next to me. Curtis was one of the first, was the, in the first instructional group for saving Rome. I, I love Curtis Burt. I love Curtis Burt. When Curtis would show up at a fire, I, there's times I go, just go, I'd look, I go, just go inside there and fix this. Will you please? Yeah. That, that, that's what you want. You want guys that are in a job going, gotcha, boss. And off they go. You know, anybody can jump on. Go to guys. All right. We were talking about go to guys to the men and women in your department that will jump on any project, not just the fun stuff. They'll jump on. You guys know it. You see, every have a project, you're going, oh, God. Oh, God. All right. So this is going to be a crappy one. So, Tim, who, what, do you, what do you think? Well, who's on shift today? Uh, today, <laughs> A shift. Oh, God. They're going to bit. Tell you what, let's wait till tomorrow. Let's wait till B shift's on. B shift will do any project. B shift will tackle. They don't bitch. David Pennington's the ops chief in Louisville now. He and Terry are the number two chiefs, right? In Louisville, Texas. David Pennington, I remember we pulled him the captain. I said, Penny, I go, we got to move you out of the dive station because he was big into the dive there. Then Louisville, one of the best dive teams in the country. All right. I go, we're sending you five. It's more of an industrial park. And he goes, Do I still get to wear the Louisville patch? I see, he goes, Send me wherever you want, boss. And I went, Oh my God. I was like, what a I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You care. Just say if I still get to wear the patch, I'm still part of this department. That all starts with leadership. That all starts with the lieutenants and the captains and the bosses that run the show. Don't I seriously, I walk in, oh God. I go, how you doing, guys? Let me look at okay, look, look, look at look at this captain over there. Look at this shitbird captain just sitting there. Look at this guy. I, I know why the guys are that way. It's all about leadership. It's all about leadership. And and, and I, I just can't live my life that way. I just can't I can't go work in a fire department where people don't care. You know, I, I want to get in there. I want to I want to have to be like grabbing people. Slow down. You know, that's what I want. Yeah. Right? I want to have to I want to control the enthusiasm. I want oh my god, our guys are out of their freaking minds with this job. They just, you know, and, and like you said, I got, I had a side job. I had a big roofing business. Sure. Four times where I couldn't wait guys to get to the firehouse every third day so I could rest right and i remember i remember bob glyke 35 year firefighter came up to me he goes hey rick i see i see you got 
you know, you got a lot of firefighters working for you. I said, yeah, I believe in keep money in the family. He goes, you see, you pay well. I said, well, they work hard for me. He goes, can I get some time with you? I said, well, Bob, I got everybody I need right now. I, I you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, how much time are you looking for? He goes, oh, maybe just eight hours a week. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I can get you that. He goes, oh, perfect. He goes, I, I want to get some mad money. I can squirrel away from the old lady. He goes, let me ask you a question. Do I get vacation days with that? I go, Bob, it's a part-time job. He goes, so no sick time either? I go, no, Bob, it's a part-time job. You don't get vacation <laughs> sick time. He goes, so next year you tell me I get no vacation, I get no I get no pension, no help in this. I said, Bob, it's a part-time job. <laughs> and he looks at me, he goes, maybe you ought to think about that. And he walks away. The Polish side of me is going, doesn't he get us a part-time job? And the Italian side of me is going, hey, Chuchi, the message was for you. Get your shit in order. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Everything I do, the gut—I mean, the gutters on my house are little. Eddie Jarrett, a firefighter. The roofs, everything. I, I use firefighter. I love. That's how guys pay for their kids' college funds. Sure. How they buy a basketball? I don't care. I think I think firefighters are amazing with their talents. I love the fact Brian Purcell owns one of the largest moving companies, firehouse movers in the country. Has had a huge. Brian Purcell, you would never know. Brian would walk in. If it was 10 in the morning, hey, Chief, yeah, what's up? Percy goes, can I borrow some more of those videos from Chicago on the fires and stuff? We want That guy was so into Now, at night, look, I'm sure he's they're all on their laptop doing their fence business and stuff. But during the day, you know, play firefighter, man. You know, I mean, in the evening, right. you your stuff on your, your personal time, your downtime. But, you know, keep the number one job the number one job. That's all I ask yeah. you to do. That's all. You can have your side jobs. God, I hope you're good at it. Because I'm going to be calling you. If I need windows or I need gutters in my house, I'm calling you. I'm not calling some because I, I could trust a firefighter. I can't trust these other people sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to call a firefighter. I Absolutely. think it's great. Keep the number one job. If you're going to if you're gonna wash and wax your Ford F1000 pickup truck, you know, and have it all shine inside, please don't let me walk inside and see your $1.4 million tower ladder dirty and dusty. Yeah. How about keeping a, you know, how about keep the firehouse clean, keep your rigs clean, take care of your tools, show some ownership, man, show some pride in what you do. You can wash your truck and stuff like that, but I don't understand how you can pull in and see beautifully wet, wash the wax cars and go and see a, a crappy, dirty old firehouse. I just don't, Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't get that. Love that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, tell, I mean, I tell guys this all the time. You know, I can't control what you do when you're away from work, right? I'm, you know, if you got side businesses or you're doing whatever, or you're, you decide you don't want to think about the firehouse when you're when you're away, that's your business. However, however, when you're here, when you're on duty, be here, be all in here. Well, and I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, you want guys that when they're in the firehouse, that they're firemen, that they're they're all in on being into the job that they're all in on taking care of our customers, that they're all in on taking care of our equipment, training, doing doing the things that you would expect of a, a plugged-in firefighter. And that's, I think that's all that, you know, honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can get that out of people, that's that's winning. Because if they're oh. if they're engaged when they're at work, that's winning. If, when they're not engaged, that's when you have your, your the battles. And, and you know, um, it, it's sometimes difficult to get people who, I think that's one of the biggest challenges as a company officer is trying to get people who maybe don't, feel that way to you know bring their level up a little bit and, and at least meet you at an acceptable acceptable compromise if you will of of you know being plugged in when they're at work you know and, when it's and you just said it like you just said it sean you alluded to it earlier you know i used to tell guys this just come to the firehouse with a half-ass good attitude because good bosses 
We'll get you the rest of the way. My Lieutenant Bill Allen, I never realized how incredible he was till I was done working for him. Oh my God, this guy was an amazing ball of energy. They got, you know what I'm saying? You, I could walk in there and be just go, I'm going through my first marriage. I can be angry and miserable. Oh God. And an hour later, you're laughing and yucking up with the guys and he'd be standing over in the corner like this going, and I go, you sneaky SOB, you did it again. And he, he, <laughs> he, right, he knew what buttons to push to get Rick back engaged. He knew, I mean, that, that, isn't that what you're doing as a company officer? You're the marionette. You're controlling the strings. And you, if you don't know your people, you don't know what 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 their where their buttons are at. You're not going to be able to motivate, lead, inspire your people, and keep them going. And you're going to be just hoping things happen instead of going. Okay, I see what's going on today. I got to zero it. Everybody has their bad days and moods, but I'm telling you, you could walk into a firehouse and you could tell who the company officers today just by how the guys are acting. I could walk around. I could walk around, and in ten minutes, I could tell you who the lieutenant or captain is in the firehouse. Yeah, hands down. You can tell. Look at the rigs. Look at their gear. Look at their tools. Look at how their hose beds are finished out. Walk in. Listen to what they're talking. They could be talking NASCAR. Uh, I got to uh, Benny Crane retired as a district chief in Chicago. Incredible. One of my mentors passed away way too soon. Uh, ended up like got a, a rare disease. It was gone like very short. Benny uh, was a district chief on the west side of Chicago when they were fighting fires, man. Great fire ground commander. Taught Stephen Covey seven habits of highly effective people. What I just I just adore him. Uh, made it through all kinds of racism and challenges and that. I just and and so if I was coming, if I was going to your fire department like thirty five years ago, I would get there like a whole day before the day just to meet the guys and see who I'm dealing with. Right? Because walk in and go, hey, uh, look, I'm a firefighter. Can I give you a patch to hang on the wall? Can, you, can I just look her? Oh, sure, come on, sure, fine. Just to see who I'm dealing with, right? So we're going to go do a Friday night tactics class because we're doing a live burn, a house burn the next day, quiet structure. So an hour and a half outside of city of Chicago, we're going to drive to this town. Six o'clock Friday night, do a class. I want to leave at six in the morning. I want to get there and I want to check this place out. He goes, why are we trying to get there so early? I said, because I want to see if I'm dealing with real firefighters. Because a lot of pretend firefighters, they got the ball caps and the tattoos and the shit, but they're not. They're, there's a lot of pretend firefighters out there that, like you mentioned them earlier, they're there, but... You know, it's like I, I said the other day, it's like a Christmas present that you can't wait to open because it's wrapped and it's a pair of socks. Really? <laughs> another pair of socks? No. Seriously, no iPhone? You gave me another pair of socks? There, there's a lot of firehouses that are beautiful and they suck. Okay. Yeah. So he goes, this is what you do, Rick. When you get there, walk in the door to the, the apparatus bay. As soon as you walk in, stop, take a smell. There's a smell like a firehouse. He goes, and you'll know what I mean by smell. He goes, walk over to the pumper. He was a volley joint, walk over to the gear rack. Volleys tell you all about their personalities at their turnout gear rack, all right, their PP rack. He goes, career place, walk over to the pumper, walk right to the officer's seat. Look and see how he or she has their gear set up. Look and see if they have the cab organized. He goes, do you know there's officers that jump into cab in the morning that think they, they just, for a call, they think shit just magically jumps with their fingers? Look at the cab. Look at the air pack straps. See if they have their coat hung on the side with their radio strap over it. He was talking about wearing the radio under your coat like you should be like 40 years ago. He says, look at their bunker pants. See if they're rolled down right. See if they're actually pointed towards the seat. I, w- I had a guy show me his firehouse once, guys. I looked down at the officer's bunker pants. Hand to God. One boot was shooting this way. The other boot was shooting this way. And I thought, I'm about to see, like, a circus act. I'm going to see a, a, an officer that's walking, either probably in, not in circles. I mean, I'm just like, 
Anyway, he goes, look, at, look he goes, he goes, see how you, if, if they have their Novex hood pulled through their bootstrap. I go, why that? He goes, where do you keep your Novex hood? I said, I pulled through my bootstrap. Why? Because I don't, it's the first thing I have to put on and I won't lose it. I won't drop on it. He says, look at their tools. Open up one and only one compartment. I'll tell you about the rest of Rick. See how their hose beds are finished out. Does it look like the pumper threw up its hose? You guys ever pull up next to a pumper? You're out visiting, you're in another town. You pull up and you go, oh, it looks like the pumper went bleh, and threw up its fire hose. He goes, he goes, and stop and take a smell. Again, does it smell like a firehouse? He goes, I'm not talking walk around a white glove. He goes, does it smell like a firehouse, man? He goes, then sneak in the kitchen. As I said before, he goes, they could be in there watching Babe Winkleman's Fisher Show or NASCAR. I didn't know Babe Winkleman was a real guy. I had to look up who Babe was. <laughs> Babe Winkleman has a fishing show. I didn't know he's a real dude. Who names their kid Babe? Anyway, that being said, he goes, they could be in there watching NASCAR. Arguing about who and hateful who hates each other's drivers like they all do. I love NASCAR people. He goes, but you can tell if they have their act together. And guys, he's been right as rain. I first of all, I can't walk in a firehouse without going to that brass bay. And, and, and you look and you go, you look and you go. And then you, there's places I walk in, and I want I want to stay there instead of my hotel. Yeah, I go. I just want to be around these guys. I just want to be around, you know, those that love the job. You know, and just th- that's what I want to do. You know, and, and so so it's easy. You can walk in. It's all about leadership. Company officer set the tempo. You know, that's it. You know, and the bar you mentioned before, when I teach Pride Ocean, when I was teaching my daughter's fast pitch softball team, especially in high school, they were the fighting. You know how you got what were your Sean? What was your high school mascot? Do you remember the high school? Uh, it was a gator. It was a gator. A gator. Yeah. Nick? Uh, well, <laughs> I bounced in between high schools. <laughs> okay, cool. so you you were the Trojan Lion Tiger High School. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so it was always it was the fighting Gators. It was Gator Pride, right? You know, Sean Gator. You know. Yep. Well, Louisville High School, where my daughter went to school, great high school, one of the oldest high schools north of Dallas. They were the Louisville Fighting Farmers. They still are. There's not there hasn't been a farm in Louisville for like a thousand years. I think they have a tree. <laughs> I, but I, I know they only have a farm. Anyway, it was always about right farmer pride, farmer pride. And and when I would do lessons for the girls, hitting lessons or play, I to take care of the field. And you know, we'd have a little leadership talk once in a while. And they, one of the girls came up and asked, she goes, you know, my because they knew about pride and ownership. But my mom said that pride can be a bad thing. I said pride is a bad thing when it's surrounded with arrogance. Pride's a good thing when it comes to ownership. That you know, this is your, this is our house. This this stadium is our house. Nobody comes in here and embarrasses in our house. And these girls, these are your sisters. These are your teammates. And your farmer, you bleed maroon. Your farmer, you know, farmer pride, and that that's why. And you just and it's the driving force behind excellence. Passion drives you know all this stuff. And I actually painted. It's a saying that's been out there for a long time. I've used it forever. I painted on the wall of the locker room, and I use it in Pride Notion now for the past two years. And it was like. You used to say, what is farmer pride? Now it says, what is pride? We talk about pride and ownership. And it starts off with pride is something you can't describe from the outside looking in and you can't describe from the inside looking out. Pride is a personal commitment. There is no such thing as proud teams. No such thing as proud teams. There are proud individuals that make up excellent teams. That's how it works. Proud individuals. The individuals make for an excellent team, not the other way around. You can buy people the brand new firehouse, brand new rigs, and they still suck. That 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 ownership is what you know. That that's it. So it starts off with pride is a, a personal commitment. It says it's what separates excellence from mediocrity, and probably the most important thing is pride is not about being better than someone else. It's about being better yourself. And I tell people the bar you raise, the bar you set, is not for it. 
we're raising the bar for other people. No, you're not raising it for other people to follow. You're raising it for yourself. The bar you raise is where Rick and, and, and Sean and Nick have to be. We just all right, we just got to with this class. We're good. Okay, what's next? I so I moved my own bar up here, which means that's what I'm shooting. There's always gonna be someone faster, better, newer fires. You can be competing with people like that for the rest of your life, and you'll never quite win. But you can win with yourself if you keep setting the bar. It is a pride, it is a personal commitment. It's about what this goes back to what you guys were saying earlier. Sitting around a firehouse, guys, you know what? We could jump out of helicopters or carabiners all day long. It's it's the basics that keep us alive. I've been doing line of duty at the investigation over 30 years. It's the basics that kills firefighters. There's nothing hoodoo to that. There's nothing with beakers and science and and crap and mechanic. Basics, not being able to crawl on your hands and knees, not being able to search, not being able to get yourself out of jail, not knowing how to wear an air pack, not on, not reading building construction fire behavior. It goes on and on and on how to throw that. All that stuff gets firefighters killed. It, Leo Stapleton, I don't know if you remember Leo. Leo retired uh, years ago as a commissioner in Boston, just passed away recently. Wrote about 35 books. Leo was speaking. I was a, I was receiving the Innovate of the Year Award from the Instructors Group for creating the Save and Roll Program in 1996 at FDIC. He spoke before me. And, guys, the, the he, get, he walks out there. He's a little guy. He walks out to the podium, and he says, I see that this year's theme is back to the basics. That was the theme that year, back to the basics. He goes, why do we leave him in the first place? Actually, we kind of suck at him. And he put one slide up for his whole presentation with 12 bullet points of all the things we suck at. You know what they were? SCBAs, search and rescue, forcible entry, ladders, stretching and hold signs. I'm like, oh, God. Our entire <laughs> job. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I was, Sean, I'm going, well, this ain't making me feel good. And then I realized he's right, man. He's yeah. right. If you think you're if you think you're dialed in and tuned up with search and rescue, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we did we did SCBA drills at my little volunteer fire department here. I told go, I'm wearing my air pack. I have I I'll, I'll when I teach class, I get out. You know what? Get out of the way. I'll show you first. Let me show you how to get through this maze. Let me show you how to do reduced profile. You know what I'm saying? If you have people that are the selective training recipients, right? I don't even do that. Or the ones that make their their firefighters do it. They stand or do nothing. Yeah. Uh, my lieutenant Bill Allen would push you. Sean, he pushed you out of the way. If there was an SMBA maze, Bill Allen would walk up with all his gear on his airplane, and he would get on, get on, get on, and he'd be the first one to go through it. And if he didn't like what he did, he'd push you away and go back through it again. We took chemistry yeah. of hazardous materials for firefighting, which I was a big hazmat geek for a long time, man. I love hazmat. The worst two weeks of my life, Eddie Switowski, God rest his soul. Eddie got killed up in Michigan in the line of duty. Um Eddie made me go to this class, and I still haven't forgiven him because it was the worst time of my life. I was a jock in high school. I didn't do it. Bill Allen, Bill Allen was like could have been everybody's father in the class. All of us were kids. He was the first one at the chalkboard doing problems, the dry erase board. He was the first one. I mean, if you're not going to do it as an officer, you expect your people to follow you, you know? You right. can sit there. There's a lot of Facebook firefighters and officers, man. They can talk a good game, man. And some of them are the guys that are into all the, they're into all the videos, and they they're video firefighters, right? They're like they're the guys that do the they do all the the military war game stuff on their computers and on their TV. And then if they went to the Army and the Marines, they would suck. You know, <laughs> yeah. look, I'm all about I'm all about watching. I love watching the videos. God, I love watching the fire videos. Right. Part two of that is you have to actually go out and do it and train. <laughs> yeah. Know? Just because you watch a video does not make for a great firefighter. 
it's a great way to go, okay, I love what, like Stockton. You watch Stockton, California? I want to be like them. Then you ask the question, how do I be like them? And then we go, well, you have to do all this other stuff, you know? So anyway, sorry, I got off a tangent. No, no, no. it's one hundred percent. I actually have one. I have one question for you, Chief, and then I'll I'll let Sean jump in and kind of take it away from here. But um, you know, in your time coming up through the fire service and being, especially being a chief for so many years, um, have you ever had or run into a situation where you have company officers that are really like gung ho? And then maybe their battalions or district chiefs or division chiefs kind of are not, and they and they end up clashing, and there ends up being this kind of dad dad against mom kind of thing with the crew, and 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 because I've seen it, you know, both personally and with other people, where you have an officer who is really wants to do more, and really when it comes down to it, if they don't have the support at the top, a lot of times what ends up happening is it seems like they kind of get beat down a little bit. We're like, Hey, you know, you can only enforce the department rules and you know, you can't have your own standards. And you know, what, what would you say to the company officers out there that maybe are, you know, getting some resistance from the top from, from guys that are over them, you know, at the company level that are trying to do the right thing that are trying to make their guys better, but there's some resistance maybe from the top and, and the guys that underneath them see that and kind of because, you know, that's what happens, right? It's that dad against mom thing, right? So they don't get the answer they want from from the company officer. So they go to the, you know, the battalion or the district or the division and, and they fuss and complain and whine. And then, you know, the company officer is kind of getting his hand slapped. That happens far more than we like to admit in the fire right. service where you have people in positions of power, uh, where you have officers that want to do more. And I've seen this. I've, you know, I, I had a couple officers uh, over my career that I've, I've watched kind of get beat down and I've watched them kind of they they come in with all the right intentions. They want to, you know, hey, guys, we're going to you know take our, our game to the next level. We want to I want guys that are plugged in that we're going to train and we're going to do this. And then after a few months, it's like they're just constantly getting pulled aside by their boss like hey you need to tone it down you need to you know simmer simmer down a little bit you know this is too much or whatever um and and like i said i think that that's there's a lot of officers that find themselves unfortunately in those situations and and traveling the country i've run into several you know i've experienced it myself in my career where you have less than enthusiastic bosses above you and it ends up being this kind of dad versus mom situation with the crew how do you how do you navigate that? What would your advice be for the company officer that's trying to navigate that situation where maybe they don't have all the support they need from the top, whether it be from their their you know shift commander or battalion or even from the fire chief themselves? If where there's you know you, you mentioned it when we kind of first started off that having a chief that just all the things that you really don't want to be as a fire chief, you know how do you work around that as a company officer because you're kind of in the middle right you're kind of having to you want to set the tone for your guys you want to be the leader and and show them that you know the way so to speak to be passionate to be in, engaged but at the same time if they're if they realize that you don't have support from the top there is a point where they're going and you know it seems like unless you find that guy that's just that wants to do it for the right reasons but if you have a couple months it just seems like they always gravitate towards it like oh well where's that in the rules boss Where's that in the you know policy manual doesn't say I, policy says downtimes at you know five p.m. and and we are not drilling one minute past that you know or the the, the contract says that the heat index is above ninety five we're done we're not doing anything and so you know it could be something as simple like hey we're gonna go out in the bay and just do a you know low impact drill nope boss just ninety five degrees we got we got to shut her down and so I find that as as an officer that can be very challenging sometimes if you know that. 
there's, you know, maybe not the support from your boss. It's difficult sometimes to navigate those waters, I think, for a lot of guys where they want to instill that sense of pride and ownership and passion. And, and to some extent, you still can. You still come in and set the example. But how do you get guys to, you know, that you know the, the, the bumps on the log, so to speak, uh, to kind of get with the program when they realize that your boss isn't going to support you if you try to kind of lean on them a little bit, you know, and get them to come up to that level. That's, I guess that's the question. I mean, like I said, traveling the country, you talk to guys, it's not that uncommon for an officer to find themselves in, in between, so to speak, that tug of war to be in between, you know, you got a firefighter who doesn't want to get with it. And then you got a, a, an officer above them, a chief officer who doesn't really care doesn't really want to support that. And then it turns into this piston match between, you know, I'm trying to make my boss happy, you know, or whatever, but I'm also trying to lead these guys. And and there's definitely a balance there. And I'm just curious to get your take on it. I, you know, we've been talking about the leadership and it, we always think that the haters are always the, you know, the mutts are always the guys at the bottom just throwing rocks. But sometimes those people find themselves into positions of, of power. Right. And, and I think that's dangerous as an organization. When you have people in power who you know, are, are not necessarily engaged that don't care about the guys that, or whatever, or, or, you know, want to rain on the parade of the guys that are the, you know, the firefighters and the drivers and the officers that are ate up, you know, how do you navigate those waters as, as what would your advice be to those guys that are kind of in the middle of trying to, trying to play, you know, uh, appeal to both sides, if you will, to try to get their boss to support what they're doing and try to get their guys to also realize that what they're doing is for their safety to make sure they go home at the end of the day to make them better firemen. Well, I, I think one of the things is you, you, you fight bad leadership with good leadership. Okay. You know, when you've got bad, I, I, I had, I told you, I had a boss who I worked for who was God awful horrible. And then there was nothing I was going to do to change him. The only thing I could do, and I talk about most company officers, all right, the majority of the good ones, if you looked at their hand, like a rodeo guy, you can always tell a rodeo guy, right? Because his 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 hand is almost bent and formed into what he holds onto that horn. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you see a guy, he's walking like this. Well, you look at good company officers, and this hand is almost like this because they have their hand on a crank, and the crank is on the morale siren. Your job as a lieutenant or captain, you're the one that's cranking the morale. You're the yeah. one that's in the firehouse all day long with them, or when they, you know, they come into their volley place, whatever. You're the one setting the tempo for everything. If you got a battalion chief that's ruining ruining the moment, um, first of all, <clears throat> I've never really been at a place where a battalion chief can tell a company officer, don't get me wrong, there's orders, there's following, there's this stuff, but when the when the battalion chief leaves, unless they're in the same firehouse, the company officers still get they still they still get to do what they want to do with their guys. You know, they still I mean, all right, appreciate it, chief. I know that, but we're still gonna go out, we're gonna do this. And 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 I, I guess where my, my question comes is so when a battalion chief is telling you you're not allowed to train your people, not allowed to do this or whatever, or they're or again, you know, you know what I'm saying just sometimes the best way it's like when you tell when you when you when you tell a young firefighter that says I have a crappy company officer and everyone's to train me. Good. Let's go out to Florence, do it ourselves. If he yeah. wants to sit up and sleep in his office, I don't want to do nothing, then let's go out. Let me show you something. Then the senior firefighter takes over. You know, that informal leader goes out there. The two of them are out on the floor doing stuff. So that being said, you fight bad leadership with good leadership. And if you're a company officer who finds yourself between a battalion chief who sucks, yeah, well, first of all, the one firefighter that doesn't want to train, okay, we're training. 
you know, and, and, and Al Brunacini used to say it. He goes, when I was a captain, I say, everybody who wants to train, meet me out at engine one in five minutes. Anyone who doesn't want to train, meet me out at engine one in five minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah. who's, who's running the firehouse? <clears throat> you know, as a company officer, you sit down and go, guys, we're going to, well, you know, it's it's too hot. Well, nothing we're going to do is going to overheat you. I know. And and I'd be a foolish officer when when there's extreme heat to risk, you know, endanger my guys by making them overheat themselves in training. That, that's just silly. There's right. other things we can do. There's things we do in the air conditioning. Sure. I, I, I can bring the K-tool. We can sit around the kitchen table and talk about the K-tool, work on some lock, different stuff. There's a lot of stuff we can do inside. Heck, in our gym shorts, in air conditioning. There's always something we could talk about, train about, or whatever. So there's always something. So the 95 degrees, I know what you're saying. Well, guys, so it's 95 degrees. Okay. You know, I understand that. This is where the offset day goes. Look, guys, it's going to be hot today. So you know we're supposed to go out and stretch hose? We're not doing it because we have a whole shift to work. What we are going to do is at 1.30, we're going to be in the kitchen, or we're going to be here. We're going to be doing this, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And you just – that's when you reach into your your training satchel and your, your bag, and you pull out another drill topic that you're going to do. And replace that one that you know could get your guys overheated or whatever. Right. When you have a, you know, as a company officer, and, and I'll give you an example. John Salka says this in class. I love this. Talks about John Vigiano. John Vigiano, oh my God, legendary, legendary. He's another one of those guys, the FTNY, like Chief Joey D, Joe D, that would, if you call him a legend, they would almost be insulted because they don't consider themselves a legend. You know what I'm saying? They're like, I, yeah. I like, you know, I'm like, ah, God, I'm not a legend. I just love the job. So he gets he gets moved to a, a ladder company that's a busy ass ladder company. The like the like junior guy has like 28 years on the job. They're all senior guys. But Gianni, a Marine, both of his sons actually, his two sons got killed 9-11. One was a firefighter, one was an NYPD cop. They both got killed on 9-11. Very tragic. But he's the captain there, and he would train. He would train. In the afternoon, he would train again that evening. He would train midnight, midnight, bing, 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 bing. Trucks going off for training, you know, training, 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 training. Finally, one of the, John tells a story. One of the senior guys comes upstairs and says, Cap, look, you know, we know you knew the company. We know you. We know you. You got a great reputation. We love you. We absolutely love you. The guys, we were so excited you're here as our captain. But I got to tell you, Cap, you know, this is a senior crew. These guys have been doing this job for 30 plus years, 28, 20, 30, something. This drilling two, three times a day, you know, this going out at, at midnight and going and doing this stuff, you know, and these guys are older guys and, you know, just, you know, and he goes, I, I just, I'm, I'm being a spokesman. I'm just coming up here. We love you, but, you know, we just, you know, it's a lot, you know, and, and John, John says, well, I, I get it. You're right. You're, you're right. Okay. I got you. I appreciate you coming up and talking. You're at about, an hour later, bing, 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 roll call, roll call. The roll call in FTY is when the officer says roll call, you all line up. When the deputies come into battalion, you're the officer. They all line up. And he goes, he walks out, he goes, look, I understand. I make up a name. Nikki came up and explained that, you know, you guys are really not pleased with as much training we do. And, you know, it's wearing you guys out. So, you know, a lot to do and all this stuff. And and I appreciate him coming up and speaking for all of you. So, and he walks over, he starts handing out sheets of paper. What I've done is I filled out transfer papers for each one of you, transfer papers. Um, put down whatever company you want to go to. I'll make the phone calls, and uh, we'll get you out of here. You don't have to be here anymore. And he turned and went back up to his office. <laughs> he filled out tra- – I mean, you know, yeah. if you're the company officer and you believe in your heart your guys should be trained today, then find a way to make it work. You know, again, you got to be smart. You can't go out and beat your guys to death when it's 100 mm-hmm. degrees out. Sure. When it's minus 20 – you have to have 
a great like list of topics of things you're going to do. But as a company officer, all right, chief, thank you. And and I, I still you have a, you have an absolute obligation to train your people. And, and and first of all, for a firefighter that doesn't want to come, if a firefighter says, "Well, it's break time," okay. You want to hold me to that contract? I can play that too. Oh my God, I can play that too. I'm all about <laughs> look. I'm a, I believe in unions. I like labor and stuff. I, I but you want to do that? Good. Fifteen minute break, right? Okay, good. Bing, let's go. Okay. It also says that you're supposed to punch a clock at zero seven hundred, being your uniform of the day. All right. Yeah, and, and I can play that route too. I did at a place. I, I had. A, I had a, a, a Coraline, Idaho, great fire department, absolutely great fire department. <clears throat> the union president team at the time was a guy named Dave Dotson. Coraline Airport is not in Coraline, like the Dallas Cowboys are in Arlington, Texas. I mean, it's just weird. The Coraline Airport's like just barely, it's like a skosh out of the city limits on the north side. They were doing a great class. So I wanted to send the guys to a class at you know 10 in the morning. There's a knock on my door. It's Dave. He goes, oh, what's up, Dave? He goes, hey, we got issue, boss. He says, oh, come on in. What do we got fixed? He goes, I understand you want to send the guys to the to the airport for <clears throat> for training um, for for training uh, today. I said, yeah, it's a great class. He goes, you can't do that. So who can't do that? He says, you can't. So I thought this said fire chief. He goes, no, no, the contract contract says anytime you send anybody out of out of town, uh, mutually automatic aid or for training, you have to hire back a crew of time and a half. I go, I understand you negotiated that like fifty years ago here when you own the career department, but they're not out of service. They're 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 right there. They're still a service. He goes, yeah, but technically they're out of town. I go, I know, but they're not out of service. He goes, no, no. I said, no. Actually, parts of our district, the twos, they should, we should actually, if we were smart, we would build their firehouse at the airport because they'd be quicker to all parts of their district. Right now, they have to drive past the south. I said, he goes, no. He goes, boss, hey, one of the guys called and complained. I go, what? one of the guys called you? One of the guys didn't have the courtesy to come in and go, hey, chief, look, I got to call you on this one. Aren't we supposed to? You Really? You didn't come in and ask? I said, I said, so you want to live? By the black and white that contract, don't you? I said, look, I believe I'm, I'm a very big advocate of labor. You want to do that? Good. That makes it very easy because there's only three of us on this side of the wall that have to follow that contract. You have a whole fire department. So bottom line is turn back three pages where it says that you'll be ready to go and that you'll be in the uniform of the day at 0700 in the morning. No exception. So, Lieutenant, in the morning, you'll be here. Any of your guys not in uniform 71, you're going to write them up. Not me. You're going to write them up. Secondly, I'm putting punch clocks, putting time clocks back on the firehouses. Okay, so after you punch that clock prior to your shift, when you punch right seven in uniform a day, that you can do. By the way, I'm going to hold you to your breaks exactly to those times. I'm going to hold you to everything. Secondly, turn back 17 pages. Swear to God, said it's the other way where it says you shall not use the city's facilities for personal use or gains. So no more personal maintenance on your vehicles. No more using our mops or buckets, all stuff. Tell Bill to get his bullet reloading contraption off the second floor. You know what? No, all that stuff. And by the way, I'm putting pay phones back in the firehouse. All right, this is before like the, the cell phone thing, right? I said, put pay phones back in the firehouse. The only phone I'll dial out would be the company officers. All right, I said, I, and I went through this whole thing. I said, you know, there's only three of us that have to fight. Your guys violate your own contract every day. Do you know what this means? It means I'm going to be hooking your guys up every damn day here. Do you, do you know what this means? He goes, yeah, I guess we're going to the airport at 10 o'clock for training today. <laughs> yeah, are we? I said, total compromise. Yeah. I said, you're going to come to me one day, and you're going to want me to flex on something. He goes, why don't you worry about setting precedent? The Guys, I'm telling you, the most misused words in the fire service are liability and setting precedent. Those are lazy-ass fire chief excuses. Well, you know, Nick, we can't do that due to liability reasons. Really, show me where I'm being negligent. Show me where I'm being a risk. You know, Sean, 
You know, we'd be setting, pre pre setting precedent, really? I negotiate contracts all the time and stuff, immediate things. Really? No. I'm not violating some OSHA. You know, it's called, we want people to compromise in a labor management scenario, as long as you're not getting crazy. So, swear to God, a month later, knock on my door. Chief guy said, what's up? Hey, Carney's on his way back from California for his dad's funeral, and his dad's his dad's car, and his dad dad had passed away, obviously. His dad, and it, right outside Seattle, his dad's car broke down. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, we're down to minimum, so he can't take a vacation. Day. He can't call sick. He's not sick. And he's out of bere bereavement leave. I'm not so sure what to do. I said, well, I am. It's pretty easy. I said, give him the day. Give you know, give you know, you know, give you know, give 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 the vacation day. You know, and and we'll hire somebody back. We're going to lose the halftime, but we'll get the day back technically through taking a day from him. And then he goes, aren't you worried about setting precedent? I go, there's those words again. I said, so what you're telling me is he was on his way back from his dad's funeral, and he stopped in Seattle to watch the, the baseball game there, right? He goes, no, his dad's car broke down. So we're talking extenuating circumstances. So you want me, what you're telling me, as his union president, you want me to reach into his pocket and take a day's pay rather than go, you know what, I'll make up the halftime later on. We'll make that up somehow. There's ways to figure that out. Was, really? I would yeah. I would go to any any mediation any mediation to argue that I didn't say yeah you can go do something illegal yeah you know when you come in drunk well, well you know hung over we don't care I didn't say that his dad his dad's kind of you know, you know what I'm saying really yeah you know we've actually set half it up because we're down to a minimum he can't take vacation he can't call him sick he's not a bad bere his bereavement leave was done I mean I'm really I, I was just like so sometimes. You know, there's a flexibility. So I, I would, oh, I would be, I would, be, I would have fun with that. I'd be sitting there with my watch, going, "Okay, let's go." You, know, <laughs> you, you want, you want to play this game? I can play it better than anybody. I know the rules. Yeah. I know, I'm, as your captain, I know the, I know the labor contract better than you know the labor contract. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if you want to be part of the team here, come on over here. We're going to do some training. And and part of that is you can't be militant with it. You can't be, dude. You better be into the job and love the job and train. You know right. what? Guys need their downtime. Guys, I used to say this. I told Calvin Allison, one of the best union presidents I had, him and Randy Kate, two great union presidents. I told Calvin when I met him in Louisville, if you want to get to know me, I live by these three words, pride, honor, integrity. I said, other than that, here's how I work. If I come into your firehouse on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning and have a cup of coffee, and I catch your guys in the recliners at 10 o'clock in the morning, when I come there for coffee on a Tuesday, do you know what I'm going to do? He goes, I'd hate to hear it. I go, I'm going to walk in real quiet. I'm going to get my coffee and walk out. Because I actually worked in a firehouse, unlike some other fire chiefs. I know what it's like to have sick kids at home, to be working a mandatory overtime shift. And I said, I know who the lazy asses. I know the gold brickers are. My guys work their asses off. Set them tones off, everything changes. You set them tones off, everything, game face on. Every time we go out the door, go to fire, period. Game face on. I don't care if it's a fire alarm. Third time today. This time the building's on fire because we have killed firefighters in this country and nothing showing lazy ass size up trouble fire alarms. No. I said, I, he goes, so you, let me get this right. I'm trying to talk like he did. You don't care what we're doing. As long as it ain't illegal, you don't care what we're doing. They set them their tones off. So you want you want to split our shit out? I said, yeah. He goes, well, hell, that's easy, bub. I said, I think it is. I'm the most fucking you know, good. Go, go wash your car. Go do your stuff. Go, yeah. I don't care. 
you know, I mean, it's a firehouse, man. I really what some guys forget where they were. Some guys forget what it was like to be a firefighter. Some guys forget that people have side jobs and they, they're trying to, you know, so as soon as it's, some guys forget, but you have an amps obligation because you all three of us have stood at funerals with guys crying in their class A uniforms, going, This should never happen. Well, you know what? You know how you prevent them by having you train your people, you do your freaking job. You can still have fun. You can still do your side job. You can still take a nap. You can still do all this stuff that we don't tell the public we do. Okay, you can still do that. You know, I, I so sometimes if you got a firefighter who wants to play, that actually I would have fun with that. That would be very fun for me if I was a captain. If I have a firefighter who doesn't want to engage, and the same thing for a battalion chief. Oh, you know, if I got a battalion chief that I'm like seriously. Now, that goes back to what I said before. If you have a battalion chief that's ruining the mojo, right, ruining the, the, the temperament and everything else, then he's got a shitty or she's got a shitty, like, assistant or deputy chief in chief. Because people talk. Do we not know who the mutts are? Do we not know? If that battalion chief was doing that to his captain, like squashing training and just, you know what I'm saying, or whatever, just being one of those, everybody knows that guy. Everybody talks about him. And, and if, you're, if you're if you're a fire chief and you're that disconnected, I don't care how big you are. If you're not hearing it from, I would be hammering the chiefs underneath me. Why are you not taking care of this? Why are you not telling? I had coffee at the fire. I said, you know what I heard? Really? That's what, well, you know, he's been a, he's been a what? And you haven't fixed him yet. Who's leading here? You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's your yeah. challenge. So, you know what? Good leadership, you know, fights and combats bad leadership. You know what you do? You, you you find ways to keep your morale. Like I had to do it. I had a bad boss. There were times I got my, I'm serious. There were times I, I would get my car and I'm not ashamed to say this. There are times I got my chief's car after dealing with that guy where I actually came to tears. I would go, I cannot believe he is so hateful, so mean spirited. I just can't, I cannot, I cannot believe this. And then I would have to go and shake myself and get rid of it and go smile in front of the guys. Cause my job was to keep them motivated. If you're a captain lieutenant and you have a shitty boss above you, your job, you, you know what? Your work's cut out for you. You don't bitch down. You don't ever, if you bitch down to your guys, you're the problem. You're the cancer. You don't ever bitch down. You don't bitch down. Call a friend, go, God, give me five minutes. Give me five minutes to vent. Then you walk in and you smile. And guys like, they don't even, they're like, they're almost scared. They know just what happened. They know you've got to act, but you come in smiling. You're happy. You're good. You you know what? The, the company officer dictates the tempo in the firehouse. You can have the worst battalion, the worst boss above you, and still have a great crew. You know, you can have one problem child. Either they're going to fall in line or they're going to go away, you know. And so so my advice is it's all about loving the job. It's all about training your people. It's all about, as a company officer, keep your hand on the morale crank. Keep cranking on morale, man. Just keep smiling. Keep Just, just wear them out. Just like, you know, the, the, the I used the example, the, the first – the first movie, The Longest Yard, with Burt Reynolds, a lot of guys forget about that one. They see the Adam Sandler one. If you remember that movie, all right, there's a scene where the guards come into the library, and one of the one of the prisoners, all right, is stacking books, and they come in and they they're, they're trying to get him to fight so he gets kicked out of playing football. They come in and they push the book. They push one book over. He picks up. He goes, "Yes, sir." Puts it back. Push another one. Yes, sir. Pushing up, yes. And they finally throw the whole thing. Goes, yes, sir. And he just smiles and keeps putting the books back. And they get so mad because they can't get to him that they march out of the room. And one of his other prisoners goes, really, man? Why do you let that man do it? Why do you? He goes, because I want to play football. You know? So 
because I want to be a firefighter. I want to love coming to the firehouse. You know, so that's part of it. If you want to love coming to the firehouse, find your happy place, man. Find your happy place, you know, and 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 screw them. Screw the mutts. They're the they're the minority. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, if, if somebody's trying to make me miserable, obviously you got problems going on, man. I don't know why you're not happy in your life. I'm happy in mine. I love this, man. You know, I love being a firefighter. You know, little kids love it. I just, I just love doing it. You know, so and if you're if you're the only firefighter to shift that finds yourself in this situation, you have crappy firefighters and a crappy officer. Get out here in the corner, start watching videos. Get out here, start watching videos. Start watching some lectures. Start reading stuff. You know, I said it before. Hang with people that love the job like you do, even if you have to do it via your iPhone. Everything in life is temporary. So are those bad bosses and so are those people. Everything in life is temporary. It doesn't seem like it at the time, but it's temporary. Patience, like I said before, sometimes you just got to wait them out, man. You got to wait them out because of that. I mean, you're just like, God, I can't wait. I, sometimes, have you, you've seen this. You get one of one bad apple, and it's like it, it's it's like the whole every all of a sudden, pop, boom! Every the fireworks, everybody's having fun. It's like God, what happened to this place? <laughs> you guys should be miserable. Yeah, well, the chief left. Holy shit! You know, <laughs> or or, 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 or Swanson finally left. Oh, God, we could. That guy was such a just a guy, an energy sucker. Where'd he go? I don't know. He went off to the island of Misfit Toys. He's gone. You know, <laughs> I don't know where we put him, but he's gone. Sometimes all it takes is for one person, and sometimes you got to wait them out, and you got to find ways to smile. Like I said, you know what? I just want to be a firefighter. You know, good leadership beats bad leadership in the in the long run. You know what I'm saying? Good guys, good guys. We always talk about nice guys finish last, but we finish. Absolutely, man. We, we finish. That's a really great way to, uh, yeah. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. that that is. Everything you said there, Chief, is spot on. And, uh, you know, there, there's a saying that that I like to use with everything is you don't have to operate with great malice to do great harm, right? The lack of understanding the job and the inability to perform oh, are sufficient. That's a great you statement. Know? Yeah, and it's so true, right? And, and what I found is when, when we talk about expectations, right, we've talked about pride a lot, right? Pride, personal responsibility and delivering excellence. Boom. There it is. Right. So it's all about expectations. You know, we have expectations we set for ourselves. We need to set them and we need, and we need to enforce them often. Not, not just for us, but you know, like if you're in a company officer role or, or anything like that, you, our fire departments often have expectations of us. Right. And, and we know that coming in. So we should have those same expectations for our fire department too. you know, saying, Hey, I'm going to do everything you ask of me. Now here's my expectations for, for you as someone who works here, you know, a, a member of this organization, this is what I expect our organization to be. Right. And, and not everybody's going to be on board. Right. But you could come in and you could say, Hey, listen, when, when someone says the name of this fire department, I want them to be damn proud. Right. When the citizens say the name of their fire department, I want them to know like that they're well taken care of, you know, just all these things. And that all starts with the individual. You know, like you said earlier, we can't control everybody, but you can control yourself. And, you know, it, this is probably the best job. I remember being a little kid going with my dad to, he was an EMT in, in Trenton, New Jersey. And I'd go up and I'd visit him at work all the time. And he'd take me to the firehouse to see all of his buddies. And, and I just remember then, you know, being five, six years old, like this is the place to be. 
And I still truly believe that, you know, and I want others to have that attachment to the organizations that they work for too. And when this is all over and it's all said and done, man, how awesome would it be to look back and remember all the cool things that you got to do, all the cool people you got to work with, you know, and all the things that you were able to be a part of versus all the negativity that, you know, that you chose to, to focus all your efforts and, and energy into. So, um, Great, great topic of, of discussion today, Chief. I appreciate your time. And, oh, you know, my honor. it just it, it fired me back up. You know, I've been off work <laughs> for a little bit with the COVID thing. So, you know, this conversation, definitely looking forward to going back to work. And, and uh, you know, I hope that our listeners were able to take something out of it too. And, and if they are in that rut, you know, just like you said, it, it's temporary. You know, it's, it's going to go away. Just stay true to who you are, stay true to your passion and, and your love for the job. And, and don't ever apologize for that because there's nothing wrong with it. You know, no. so uh, yeah, well, that, that, it'd be like apologizing that you love your kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man, absolutely. I'm sorry, man. I know I love my kids way too much. You know, <laughs> really? You know, seriously, I, I love my job. Oh, you're an ass, man. Really? You love what you do. Don't you hate? I mean, I'm just you're exactly right. And I'll say this, you know, Real quick before we face things out here about the whole COVID thing. There was a, um, I think, you know, after 9-11, I lost 41 friends in 9-11. I knew more, but 41 friends and mentors. And I never thought I could be as proud or more proud of the fire service as I was back then and our new normal and what we did after that horrible, horrible uh, incident that day, I should say, because we got hit in several different locations. Um, this COVID thing, uh once again, the fire service has been thrown a curveball. Once again, we've been thrown, you know, we've dealt with sicknesses. A lot of us what made it through, you know, the AIDS scare. I remember, you know, I certified as a paramedic 1982. Do not make fun of me. 1982. And I remember when they told us we had to start wearing masks and we had to start wearing gloves. I'm like, I can't feel the vein. I can't tape it. I, 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 won't, I won't touch the doorknob now without a glove on. You know what I'm saying? We, we have adjusted you know, this this is another thing that the fire did we did we stumble along the way a little bit like we always do? Yeah, could you imagine if you were around when we first started hazmat calls? We started, we, 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 you know, we, and then we found our way. And, and true to the fire service, true to the creativeness, true to how adaptable firefighters are, they've been incredible through the whole COVID thing. And, and I won't, I don't want to get into politics. I cannot, for the life of me, understand how we're firing people for not wanting a shot. I don't, I don't get that. I'm not the shot police. I got mine. I got my blue. <laughs> yeah. Whether you get used or not, that's your, I'm just saying, I cannot believe we're standing outside the hospital singing songs for the nurses and doctors. Now we're firing them because they won't take a shot. Anyway, that being said, how the fire service has responded to, to the stresses and strains and predicaments and challenges of COVID has been absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I'm so proud of how we've, how we've done things. On the other hand, I've been a little disappointed in some of the fire chiefs in the way of how they've allowed people to come back to work after having COVID without doing a return to work physical. And I won't get into too much, but we did a hump day hangout here that's out there for any of your, your viewers, your listeners to see. Uh, I was going on, I was venting to my very good friend, Homer Robertson, one of the assistant chiefs of Fort Worth. I said, I cannot believe all these educated, degreed EFO chiefs, you know, Tony's off with COVID and he gets cleared. He's good. I had COVID uh, me personally. I had COVID. I thought it was a false positive. I, I can't even make up a symptom. I can't even make up a symptom for COVID. My wife almost died from my wife's never smoked. She walks the dogs for miles. She was, I mean, she has permanent lung damage. She had, you know, double pneumonia and blood clots and 
everything. And I, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Okay. I thought I was going to lose my wife over it. <clears throat> I asked Horace, I cannot believe like, so Tony, the firefighter was off with COVID a little difficulty breathing. He had like his, his situation, stuff like that, you know? And I go, and, and chiefs go, so how do you feel? Tony feel, well, I almost have my taste back. Well, the health department's clean. Yeah. Die. Okay, good. We do a return to work fit for duty test for people that had knee surgery and back surgery. And we don't do nothing for people that had COVID. If you had pneumonia at all or whatever is COVID, per the doctors I've talked to who I trust, who we had on the show, the doctor we had on the show, listen, watch the video. It's an hour and a half show. Normally, hour, I took 22 pages of notes. He said, you have permanent lung damage. He says, I'm not worried about the fire chief that sits behind a desk. He goes, not rudely, but I'm not worried about someone in the ambulance. I'm worried about the 24-year-old firefighter who wears an SCBA. And firefighting is all about lung capacity who has permanent lung damage that later in his career has come back to affect him. And I said, if you think if you think people fight you now, workers comp stuff, someone who's in kindergarten right now is going to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now, going, oh, oh, I got another COVID claim from 15 years ago. That's what we're going to be dealing with. And, and so Fort Worth started, they were the only fire department in the country, these two former Army Rangers that do their physicals, created a physical exam, a physical for those with COVID, wrapped around COVID, if you do, if you do, if you do air consumption drills, and if you've done a spirometry test with your annual physical, you're already above, above the curve because we have a baseline. And they said nobody, nobody that they tested that went through it that had COVID and had any type of breathing or lung or pneumonia or whatever, every nobody, not one of them, didn't show a discrepancy. Every one of them showed reduce in lung capacity. Every one of them. And I'm into the data, not the drama. So I'm still hoping that some of the fire chiefs will get on board and start taking care of their people and start taking long range. And you know, it's not to put anybody off. It's not to put anybody off the job. It's like you make them you make them do a fit for duty test to come back on other stuff. They're off for more than 30 days, but we don't do anything for a guy who had COVID. And not just yeah. COVID. I had COVID and I'm just waiting for my days to be over to come back to work. Someone was actually home that was sick with it, you know. And I, yeah, and mark my words. Write this down. <laughs> mark my words. On this day, Lasky said it. Years from now, we're going to be fighting for guys' benefits because they're going to be fighting on it. So, to the chiefs like watching, get your ass together and take care of your people. I can tell you this, Chief. I, I stand behind that because here's the reality of of what we do. Right, people's lives, including those we work with, are in our hands daily. Um, so. Man, you know, I don't want anybody off the job either, including myself. But you know what? The reality is if, if we did that assessment and they said, hey, Sean, listen, um, you can never be a fireman again. Man, that would be tragic. But you know what? I have I have 17 years of awesome memories and time and saying, hey, as bad as this is, maybe there's another role for me, you know, in, inside the fire department instead of being on the front line. Or, hey, you know what? This is what's best for everybody. You know, this, this is this is what's going to keep me safe. This is what's going to keep my brothers and sisters safe. And this is what's going to keep our citizens safe. Do I like that news? No, I don't. But is it the right thing to do? Absolutely. And, you know, it, it can go a step out, out, outside of that. You know, we got guys on the job that are 400 pounds who could barely tie their own shoes. You know, and you, you say, hey, uh, we have to do a fitness for duty, you know. Like I can't trust you anymore. And all of a sudden, like there's a grievance filed because it's harassment or something like that. And it's like, no, we, we have an obligation. We have an obligation to everybody to make sure that we are top notch all the time. Period. Well, and th- th- my whole point with it exactly was 
they're not Fort Worth is a great fire department. They're not they weren't doing it to MP. They're doing it. To, it's like anything else. Okay. Ooh. All right. You know what we got to do. We're, we're going to start working with you on this physical fitness program. We're going to start working on this therapy. We're going to start doing this. We're going to, you know, they did it to help their guys. It did not to hurt. And, it, and, and they've had, right. if anybody wants to know, contact Fort Worth Fire Department. Ask them. Yeah. They'll yeah. tell you. They'll, they'll tell you. The guys I've talked to there are like, they're proud of the fact that their fire department stepped up and actually did something <clears> to see that they're, you're actually protecting them. It's not, we're not ending careers. You're just, Let's make sure this is a bad thing. Let's make sure everybody's good to come back to work. Absolutely. And like I said, if anything, I want to protect you years from now when someone's fighting your claim, man. If you think they fight you on stuff now, oh my God. Do you, insurance insurance companies years from now? <laughs> oh God. You know, they're, they're going to be out of their minds trying to, to, to kill claims off, you know, any way they can. Yeah, you, know, you had COVID, right. Well, where's the paperwork? Where does it show? Where, you know, I mean, you know, I had right. COVID. I had COVID. Done. I have the records. I could come back later and say, yeah, my lung problems are not for the fact I was a firefighter. I did with my pack all the time. My lung problems were COVID. Well, you know, I want all my money. You know, I'm just saying. It's just, it's a way of protecting. It's a way of, of if you care about your firefighters, then protect them. Yeah. Yeah, hurting firefighters. You know? 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, what you got, uh, Nick? No, I'm, you know, this is uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, I think that for those listening, you know, the passion is, is, is palpable. You can kind of, you can kind of feel it in the conversation, you know, when you got like-minded guys sitting around, I mean, I, I literally have sitting here drinking coffee and just thinking that this is the kind of conversation I feel like that, you know, needs to happen at so many, so many firehouse kitchen tables, you know, and it does happen in a lot of them, you know, where we sit down and we, and we talk about this stuff and, uh, but the biggest takeaway I think I've taken away from today was, you know, it's okay to have passion, man. It's okay to love the job. It's okay to be into our craft and to want to be good at it. And, you know, for those listening to this, the show, um, you know, you've got three guys here from three different States, uh, that, that have, you know, various experiences, obviously chief, you've been doing it a little bit longer than Sean and I by, by a few years, (laughs) but, uh, but you know, it's funny because it's like, you've got guys, you know, like chief, Lasky, who, you know, you, what, 40 years, Chief? A little over 40? About 40. I think I'm at 44 now. 44 years. We count my couple years as a cadet, which I don't always, my wife says, don't count that. So, yeah. I, I got, got certified, I got certified as a firefighter in 1980, but I've been doing it for three, four years, actually four years before that. I got you. So, so a long, a long time in the fire service. So, still loves the job, still into the job, still likes going to fires. And, you know, I think that that's a testament. That's a testament to if you love the job, you're in it for the right reasons, and you're here because you want to be, you know, better at, at what you're doing and, and serve the citizens better. Um, I think that that's, a, you know, that's a testament to anybody listening. Like, look, stay the course. Don't let somebody pour water on your passion. Don't let somebody come in and squash and take away your heart for the job. Because if, you know, if, if you can just keep that and, and hold and hold dear to that and, and cling to people that, that build you up, people that have a positive impact in your career and on your life. Get around those people. Get around people that influence you for the better. And, and you know, you too can, you know, do 30, 40 years and still love the job and come out on the other end thankful for your experiences instead of, you know, angry and bitter and just, oh, I got a pension, but I'm, I was miserable for the last 15 years of my career. You know, there's so many guys that I don't know what it is, man. They, they, it's like, 
you're ate up, man. You need to calm down. Well, would you rather me be miserable like a bump on a log and sitting here and just cursing the chief and cursing the, you know, the city and, and, and bitching and moaning, or, or would you rather have me come in and be a positive influence to the young guys, mentor these guys, you know, train to make us better so we can go home and actually enjoy that pension at the end of our careers. You know, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. If you want to be, you know, if you want to go home at the end of, of 25, 30, 40 years and, and, and be thankful for those experiences, you gotta you gotta put into it. You can't just be a taker. You've got to get you gotta right. give. You gotta give back. And you know, whether it's mentoring a young guy that just came on your crew or or you know, taking that guy that's you know, maybe been a little disenfranchised and say, Hey man, come on, get back on the job. Let's let's go, let's do this thing. Let's remember why you're a fireman. And then, and then why, real, quick, real quick, Nick, what you just said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we we talk a lot about trying to get the new firefighter into the job and how to deal with bosses, but sometimes Brothers and sisters have to be the brothers and sisters they say they are and wrap your arms around somebody that's – there's been times I wanted to just like, you know what, I'm, I've had it. I'm done. Screw this. And my mentors, the people I hang with are like, really? Really, Rick? Really? Are you are you serious? You let that – you know, once in a while, instead of high-fiving, I love you, brother, once in a while you got to give somebody a what for, as my wife would say, a bitch slap and go, Really? <laughs> you know, you know, you love the job, and you're letting that guy ruin it for you. You're letting this or whatever. That and it goes back to being weak. Don't let anybody steal, like you said. Don't anybody steal your passion. But sometimes we need to. Like I said, I've been there. I, my whole career hasn't been. Oh my god, I, just lo- I love the job. But there's been times I was beat down so far. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it took other people, my mentors, to go. Are you done? You know, John Salka would do that. I would call him and I'd be like, he would actually hang up on me. Click. I'm like, son of a bitch hung up on me. <laughs> he called me back. He'd go, can we talk like human beings now? Can we talk like adults? I go, yeah, I'm calm down now. Okay. Really, Rick? I'm like, you're right, John. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You know, and once in a while, we got to do that too. I didn't want, when you said that about, if you have someone's disenfranchised, you got to grab a hold. That's I, I, that's what I want to say that real quick. So. Yeah, it, no, I mean we're, we got to you know we are our brother's keeper, and you know we're, we're we got to help each other out, man. I mean this is this is a team sport, and the point is you know if you have somebody who's struggling or whatever, that guy that you know because like I said, we all we're all human. We all have those highs and lows, right? We have those times where we just feel like. Man, what is it really worth it? Is you know, blah blah blah. You know, we start going, and, and I've been there. <laughs> I think we all have. We've all been in those spots where you start questioning. You know, man, is it worth the effort? Is it worth the headache? Is it you know? But the bottom line is, then you get that phone call. You know, that your buddy texts you or he calls you or whatever and says, "Hey, man, just checking on you. Hey, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. Keep doing what you're doing." And sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes that's all it takes. So we are our brothers' keepers when we see our brothers struggling. You know, sometimes just pulling them aside and saying, "Hey, man, I'm here for you. I love you. You know, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't, don't let people get to you. Don't let people. You know, that goes a long way. And and I guess that's what I'm getting at is with with the with the firehouse and with the fire services. We got to remember that just like we were talking about earlier, we're not alone. There's plenty of other guys that are passionate, but that passion comes with a price. That passion sometimes can absolutely exhaust us. Right. Some, it, the same thing that gives us the energy to go and push sometimes can absolutely wear us down. And so, you know, I think that for guys listening to the show, if you're in that spot where you're just feeling, man, like just beat down, feeling discouraged, like pick up the phone, you know, call call somebody you know 
you trust, you look up to, talk to them, and you know, or or vice versa. I mean, if you know, if you know somebody that's in those shoes, pick up the phone and, and reach out to them because sometimes that little bit, that little bit of uh, just hey, I'm I'm here for you, is all that's needed to kind of keep them going. And and it may be what's needed to get that disenfranchised guy back engaged. They go, yeah, man, this guy really, really, you know, uh, uh, believes in me. He believes that you know that I can get back on track and do what I needed to do. And sometimes like that's what we need. That's what we need. We need somebody to believe in us. We need somebody to believe that, Hey, you know what? You're going to be all right. Take a deep breath. Let's get back on the horse and keep riding. And you know, that's, that's the whole time you're talking chief. I was sitting there. I was like, man, just replaying stuff in my head. Oh, you know, my well, career guys think about it. They, they just made a big deal out of field of dreams, right? You yep. know, the big, you're going out there playing ball out there, the Sox and Yankees and stuff like that. And if you remember James Earl Jones, when he's like, Ray, people will come, Ray. You know, he's doing the whole thing. They'll come to Iowa, you know, for reasons they can't. And he says, you know, that one norm, baseball. Baseball has always been the norm. You know, we've, you know, he talks about how things have been knocked down and built and rebuilt and knocked down and rebuilt again. But baseball has been the – well, you know, the fire service. 1736, Ben Franklin created the first volunteer fire department. That's a long-ass time ago, man, longer than baseball has been around. Longer than I love baseball, but longer than baseball has been around. If you look, you know, it's just we've had our it ebbs and flows, like you said, an old Masonic thing, right? Just it just always has been. It's always come with good times, bad times, tragic times, wonderful times. You know, it, it, it just sometimes we we don't we don't do good at our history. We're looking back and going, oh, they had the same stuff going on then. So then you don't feel so secluded. Like, wow, is this only happened to me? No, it's happened to a lot of other people, dude. Stop being so selfish. Yeah. <laughs> people going through what you're going through this yeah. Thing. Oh, is oh, yeah. yeah. It's like when you I used to tell people when guys are coming, yo, you wouldn't believe what they're doing. It's like when you tell a joke. Hey, and then and then and well, I guess you had to be there, right? It's like, you know, it's funny. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. I've got guys they come up there and they're so they're out of their minds and by the time they're done, they go, I had one guy and he finished his whole like fit he was thrown by saying, and I guess when you explain to somebody who wasn't there, it's not that big a deal. I go. Dude, really, I hate to say it, but it's really not. Really? You're all this hooted over this? It, it, it's that. You just said it. And it's like, you know, the fire service has always been. Fire service is full of the most progressive people ever met in my life. You know, they are. People use the line from backdraft. It's not even a line from backdraft. My wife was in backdraft, which really pissed me off. Anyway, but my wife was in the bar scene. She plays a good drunk. Don't tell her I said that. Anyway, <laughs> that's a secret between all of us. But anyway, that being said, you know, Chicago Fire Department, when you say 150 years of tradition, I people have progress. I wrote a blog a long time ago and referred to it as the ultimate insult. Love the movie. Love what happened. My buddy Steve Chick wrote us. I love Chick. He's the technical advisor for Chicago Fire. Great chief, great brother, great guy who gets it. The Chicago Fire, the years I spent hanging with them, they're one of the most progressive fire departments in the country. It's incredible. The experiences and stuff I gained from Chicago. The whole point of that whole line is, you cannot walk into a firehouse and tell me, take one look at the fire engine, the technology you put into a fire engine, say 150 years of tradition on POI progress. Look at paramedicine nowadays. Look at how we get toned out. Look at our turnout here. Look at SCBAs. Look at our really? Now, don't confuse a guy being a little resistant to change because he's been bullshitted before one, but the fire services, you know, and I took that actually, you know, the whole point was the ultimate insult meant it's the ultimate compliment. You know, that poster on the wall, that kitchen, and that movie Backdraft should be a compliment to everybody. 
You know, the, the fire service is chock full of some of those progressive people. We're the solution people. We're the problem fixers. People call us to fix their stuff for everything. They call us for every freaking thing. And I love that. You know, that, 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 you know, that whole, that, that, yeah, it, it's firefighters are just incredible. You just be patient, love the job, love each other. I said it, love each other, man, because I've been to way too many funerals, watch too many people cry. You know, it's a dangerous job. You drop your guard one time, you're just as dead as anybody else. Train the basics, love the job, take care of each other. First of all, if you're passionate about what we do, everything else will come. It, it, I'm serious. Just find your passion and everything else, how you deal with mutts, how you deal with the problem children, how you deal with problem citizens, how you deal with all the cool things going on. Passion makes it all easier. It's all about passion. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah. It's, it's kind yeah, of fun. Absolutely. I'm fired up now. I'm, I'm going to start reading. <laughs> I, hope, I, hope now. I hope we have a call right so, now. I hope, hope Wichita West gets towed out right now. You know? Yeah, no, there you right. go. My so, <laughs> So real, real quick, Chief, in, in, in closing, rapid fire here, um, you know, it's the end of 2021. It's been a hell of a year. Uh, I know I'm really, really thankful for some of the friendships and relationships that have been built over the last uh, last year. Um, you know, a lot of great stuff. You know, we've had our, our ups and downs as a, as, a, as a fire service, as a country. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm thankful for like-minded brothers and sisters that are pushing the, the fire service forward. And, and I, and I see a lot of promise in where we're going. So uh, with that, you know, um, if, what, if you were to look back over the last year, you know, it's the end of the year, if you could put your hand on one memory or one accomplishment or one thing that you just, just really gave you hope for the fire service and, and something that, you know, really made you thankful uh, for what we're, what we're doing and where we're at as a fire service, what would it be? The men and women that I get to go teach classes to once again. When COVID hit and everybody called off in-person training, unlike corporate America, God bless corporate America, okay, all the businesses, but they love not going to work. They love doing things via Zoom. They love sitting in their underwear with a suit and tie on, a coat tie. You know, they love being able to turn their screen off and eat Cheetos and do stuff. Firefighters are out of their minds. They can't wait. They, I for me, the beacon has been going to classes. The guys go, God, I couldn't wait to go back to training. Firefighters that took time away from their family, their side jobs, their firehouse, to come sit with their sisters and brothers in a classroom and talk shop, told me everything's everything's gonna be okay. Here they are again. They're back, you know, 200, 300 people. You know, they're they 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 dealt with this 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 whole deal, this whole COVID, this whole pandemic, you know, that's affected the world, not just the United States, the world. And they're back in the classrooms and we're talking shop or talking to love for the job. That was my beacon, man. That was just, I was, I, I look at John and Salka, we're talking about, God, this is like the coolest thing in the world. Look at these guys. <laughs> we're back. Oh, it just, we were we, uh, back to having dinners and talking shop and sitting at firehouses and having coffee. And, you know, my buddy Dominic down in D District uh, 7, down at, right outside San Antonio, Go to his firehouse for supper the night before class, and, and the guys talk and shop and doing stuff. And just I'm like, God, we're back to that. We're back. Well, other people are trying to avoid going back to work. Firefighters can't wait to get back to the firehouse. They can't wait to start training on Saturday or Monday nights at their volunteer department, and they're back in the classrooms. That to me, oh, that was like, that was about a, a semi truck full of Red Bulls I drank at once. It was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Awesome. And real, and real quick, Chief, for 2022, you know, we're fast approaching the new year. Um, you know, 
what are what are some things that you're looking forward to in this next year? What are some things that you think are, are going to be positive for the fire service? Things that uh, you know you have on your radar that uh, are upcoming that you're really anticipating, looking forward to. Well, number one, FDIC. Uh, Chief Halton has brought. We're going to be doing the Gems Games. If you've ever seen the Gems Games, it's absolutely phenomenal to see. It's like the Olympics of treating patients that you get great at. It's, it's unbel- you know at first you're like okay. I challenge anybody to watch the gem games and not get fired up about what we do. Go, holy crap, look at these guys. It's it's the Olympics when it comes to taking care of trauma patients and things like that and so on and so forth. I'm excited about FDIC. I'm excited about being back in Indy. We used to do about 35,000, 36,000 people. We'll, we'll, we'll blow that out of water, do 40,000 plus this year. Um, I, I can't wait to be back around the people that love the job like, like I do. Um, we're going to climb out of this, you know. There's another variant. The one thing about the variant, yes, people are getting sick, but a lot of people are getting sick or getting it where the friends I know that got it another time got it less. It was, okay, I had it, and I I didn't feel really, and I'm I'm better, you know, aside from the people that, you know, whatever, whether they got a shot or not got a shot. I think we're going to slowly climb out of this. I think we're going to be stronger than ever. I think the fire service family right now, because of this, if anything, the pandemic and people being sitting brought us closer together. People think it's separate because there's distance learning and all this stuff not going. I think it's brought the fire service together. The future is bright. The future is so bright. There's young men and women, brand new firefighters walking into fire service for the first time today. They're absolutely freaking incredible. The future of the fire service. I think there's more and more better bosses being promoted. You know, I think we're everything has gotten better. I, I I do not believe for a moment when somebody says we're we move backwards, we're not doing good. Everything we've done through this pandemic has made us better. Our fire service family, our how we train, how we do things, how we take care of the public, everything. It was the best fine tuning process. Throwing a pandemic at the fire, it's like throw it at us and watch us fail. Screw you, we did fail. Not only did we not fail, we became we're better than we've ever been because of you. You know, and and I'm I can't I just I'm so excited to see where this year is going yeah. because of it, man. We're, the fire service is better. I, I do not believe anybody for a moment that we're the fire service is in a better place. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So on that note, um, you know, real quick, just because everybody's always asking, you know, books and and things like that. If you had to recommend a book let's let's give you let, give you a couple if you Good. could recommend a couple books <laughs> give, give us a couple of books that you should you think that every every fireman should read and then give us one or two podcasts that you think that every you know fireman should listen to obviously besides the make do because you know i, I take the bias out <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, first of all podcast wise definitely obviously this one because look at the fun we've had you know i mean it's uh, what's today? Tuesday. We took a Tuesday morning into afternoon, or just having fun talking shop. You know what? Just talking shop. There's, you know, podcasts. Here's what I have to say. You know, if you're looking for some great podcasts, fireengineering.com in the evening. There's some great shows. There's some great Anthony Avillo. You know, there's some great people. Mikey Dugan, Mike Gagler. There's some. Oh God, there's some great. There's shows I listen to. There's shows I'm like anybody else. The, the three hour ones. I, you know. We try to keep ours, you know, kind of, but, you know, I may have to stop and start it, but sometimes my adrenaline rush comes from some of the podcasts that are out there. So there's some great ones out there. Um, you know, a lot of them are, aren't fire engineers. Some are not, you know, I like to get salty stuff. I like when they start talking old school and some of those, 
Uh, Books-wise, um, you know, I can't give you just one. Obviously, I'm very partial to First and Last Out Leadership Lessons from New York Fire Department, written by my best friend, John J. Salka, Jr. Um, if you're into the fire service, you're an engine guy, you need to read his engine company books, the best book written, you know, for the fire service on engine stuff. Um, I have to throw a book out there that has nothing to do with the fire service, but everything to do with the fire service. One of my idols, one of my mentors, I got to visit with him three times, uh, actually just passed away, Colin Powell. And one of the books he wrote towards the end was It Worked For Me. And it was based on the Powell Leadership Doctrine that he was interviewed by CNN back when he was the four-star, back to everything going on there, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And it was his, the Powell, you can actually Google it for your listeners. Go to Google and you'll pull up his PowerPoint slides. And his whole point, it was what he prepared for his CNN interview that all these years later he wrote, well, it, it worked for me. And he explains why. Never walk past a mistake. Sometimes be responsible means pissing people off. All those different things. It's, it's a great book. And if you like audiobooks, you get the audiobook. You can hear That's why my audiobook, I love it, because I want to hear Colin Powell. I don't want to hear the pretend guy. Um, you know, so there's some, there's some you know, anything by Anthony Avillo. We mentioned Anthony. Anything by Anthony Avillo uh, is, is great. Um, but uh if I had to narrow it down, it'd be both of John's books, Colin Powell's book, maybe Abershoff's book, It's Your Ship. You know, take take the worst run ship in the Navy and make it the best run ship in the Navy. It's all about leadership. So excellent. Yeah, those are those are some great recommendations. I appreciate that, Chief. And, and as we know, you know, our we continue to grow by sharing with others. So uh again, I want to thank you for your time today and, and sharing your thoughts and, and recommendations with us and our, and our listeners as well. Hey, I'm just a firefighter. You know, I'm just, I just, people say, well, yo, you've been a chief a long time. I said, nah, I used to put on a chief's costume, but it's like, <laughs> it's like for those in the military, every Marine knows that talking about every Marine is a rifleman. Like every sailor is a fireman. Every sailor is trained to be a firefighter. You know, I think yeah. every chief should be a, a, a firefighter. Every, you got to remember where you came from. You know, and, and remember the hardest working people out there are your firefighters. Nobody else in the fire service works as hard as a firefighter. Not the company officers, not the chiefs. The firefighters, they make, they build their reputations. They're the ones out there selling the public on what we do. They're the ones out there developing that image of the fire service. They're the hardest working people in the fire service, the firefighters. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, yep. that's well, well said, Chief. Well, like I said, uh, and in 2021 with a bang, man, we, uh, it's been a good time. It's been a great uh, couple hours talking to you guys. And, and, and honestly, uh, chief, it's been fun uh, to have you on the show. It was fun to talk to you the other day. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in a couple months up, uh, down here in, uh, at the North Florida fire expo, obviously in March and then FDIC in April. So we'll get to see each other a few times this, uh, this coming year, which I'm looking forward to, but, uh, it's going to be fun, man. We're going to have a good time. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, if, if, the expo and FDIC is any, anything like this, you know, conversations, anything like this, uh, it's going to be a blast for everybody involved. And, and I can't wait to see the hotel. So. I can't wait yeah. to see after classes, <laughs> all those nut job firefighters at your conference. I mean, <laughs> you know, buzzing and talking and just, you know, guys will be running on the hallway, Halligan tools and shit. Just, you know, just, I mean, that's well, where I want to be. I want to be around the crazy ass firefighters yeah. that just want to talk. Well, to there, you. there has been known to be some crazy stories. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to fill you in on some, some previous yeah. year. Uh, <laughs> so we're, not, we're not on the air to protect our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> those who know, who, those who know, know. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh, God. Well, guys, oh, thank yeah. you so much. 
much. Chief, it's been an honor. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and and like I said, brother, have a have a wonderful end to your year here. Happy New Year uh, for those that are listening. Uh, we're going to be in 2022 before you know it. So let's uh, hit the ground running hard. You know, hit the ground running hard, and uh, you know, hopefully, full steam ahead. And we'll get back to uh, building building the fire service that we all love. You know, I think that uh, getting back to all the training, getting back to all the, the brotherhood and the fellowship is is something that we can all be thankful for uh, going into 2022. So on that note, Sean, my brother, always always a pleasure. Chief, pleasure. Uh, have a great uh, rest of your day. And uh, we'll wrap it up from here. We'll see you guys in 2022. Thanks, guys. God bless you. Be careful. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Take care, guys.